by the way, and I am here with Christian Marlonsky. It's pronounced dice. And with uh, also with us, the uh, world-renowned tagliner, Kelly Wand. Tell me about it, I'll say. Tell uh, me about it, I'll I was say. hoping we would, uh, uh, yeah, I, I knew that was going to come up. Now it's not on the list. Thank God, good, we've gotten that out of our system. I don't think you get the joke. <laughs> I also, it over and over. <laughs> it's not tell me about it, wait, it's... Yeah, there's there's more lines to it too because the bartender. You said I always say it wrong. You can say yeah. that again. Yeah, you you, right. you, you, you can say that again. Because the thing is, Paul Rudd has the two. Tell me about it. You can say that again. But then the bartender has something about. Well, you came in here not saying very much and looking depressed. And then Paul yeah. Rudd says, "Tell me about it." And the bartender says, "Well, you came in here looking depressed and not saying much." And Paul Rudd says, "You can say that again." And the bartender says, "Well, you came in here looking depressed and not saying very much." And Paul Rudd says, "Tell me about it." And that goes on for an hour and a half. That is 90 yep. minutes of the running time of the movie. They came together, ladies and gentlemen. That is the comedic genius, quote unquote, of uh, David. What's his name? David Wayne. David yeah. Wayne. Wayans, Wayans. I could have watched it for three hours. I love it. I love yeah. it when you have to make two actors do that. And I like the the bartender having to say it because his line was straight. He had it even worse if you think about it. He's not. That's his one big moment. It, it took them that, for that one scene. It took them three weeks to shoot that scene. No, they just looped it. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, one. Why are we talking? About, or no, Dingus. Why are we talking about that? Oh no, no. Wait, hold on, hold on. You guys, this is gibberish. It must be Kelly. Exactly. <laughs> Before we, before we talk about repeating lines in movies, presumably for some sort of creative value rather than because you and your buddies think it's funny and only Kelly Wand will enjoy it, before we talk about that, I have a question for you guys. Kelly Wand, I'd like to ask you something. What is a movie that you saw this week? Because it was Thanksgiving, I watched 1986's No Retreat, No Surrender. What is uh, that? <laughs> Sounds like something with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, Norris. he's the villain in it. Oh, God. He's supposed to be a Russian, and he beats up a guy in a karate class, and that's the hero's father. And then he's all, what are we going to do about this? And the dad's like, fighting's not the answer. John, John, John Claude Vidal broke my foot, so they move away. That's the dad's martial arts solution. <laughs> they move to another city, right? and the kid is like, he's hot for a girl at school, but there's like a big fat bully like a really fat one, like morbidly obese, blonde, fat bully who's like always mean to him for no reason at the high school. And uh, that guy turns out to be the martial arts class at the end. When Jean-Claude Van Damme you know, shows back up, they're like, the whole class is in martial arts class. With huh, it's all right. Kid. Oh, wait, one last thing. Yes, Please, yes. Ghost no. is the one that teaches um, martial arts. So this is a horror movie. It's supernatural. And there's a rapper named RJ. Played by? So yes, it is supernatural. Okay. <laughs> that's that was that's what reminded me of it. That was the bridge. Kelly Wood, why is it called no retreat, no surrender when the dad's solution is to not just surrender but retreat, to lead to seed ground, to leave town? Because the kid's teaching the movie's title to his father. Ah. And at the I end, see. when John Conradam shows up, he tries to be kill the dad again and be, break his other leg, and then the kid shows up. He's like, No, 
and then does martial arts. And then he tells the dad, he's like, Dad, sometimes you got to take a stand. And the dad's like, you're right, son. But they've been fighting for the whole movie because the dad's like, martial arts are terrible. And he, like, tears the Bruce Lee poster. <laughs> and the ghost shows up, so it's all cool. Kelly Wonder, is there much re- redemption in this movie? Uh, I guess so, because the fat kid, like, at the birthday party, he's, like, flicking ice cream on the hero, and he's going, is it raining or what? And then he jumps in the pool and screams, who paid in the pool? And all the kids laugh, like, he's the popular kid, even though he's fat. And so at the end, he's glad that the kid's beating the Russian guy. Sometimes, Kelly, when you talk about these movies, I wonder if you're describing an actual movie or if these are just memories from your childhood. (laughs) That's how movies were when I was young. That's why I sound like this. This no, is what actual, we were given as entertainment. I had a actual memories, not movies. Actual memories. Yeah, and then there's two more No Retreat, No Surrenders, but they're about Vietnam and Cambodia and like grown-ups. Wait, what? <laughs> That's where they went yeah. with the sequels? Huh. Yeah, they like they were like fuck John and John Kong Van Damme taught, went out of it. He's like, you're going on location? Oh, I could get sick. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so he didn't do the sequels as a villain. Even huh. though that's his thing in the first movie, he's the villain who gets kicked back. Does Zap but, go into really serious territory as it goes into sequels too? No. But I was watching something that did. Oh, it was a movie about, never mind. <laughs> Some Spanish immigrants that moved to Germany and there's fish out of water. And there's like a subplot where their neighbor has Alzheimer's. And it's like the schmaltzy part where you're just sad because he doesn't remember. Oh, schmaltzheimers. Yeah, schmaltzheimers. <laughs> Hey, that's pretty good. Uh, All right, so yes. Kelly Wand, no retreat, no surrender. Uh, on a scale of uh, one to ten, Kelly Wand, what would you rate no retreat, no surrender? I give it two no's. <laughs> no, no, like that. Yeah. All yeah. right, good. Tells you what not to do. All right. And you repeated it. Good. But also, the villains don't retreat or surrender. So it's not like you have that. It's not like the title's your edge. Right. Because Kelly Wand, who directed it? I guess they do surrender when repeat. Some guy. Right. Some guy wrote it. I looked up because I was curious, who wrote that shit? And uh, it was some guy they just found. And they went, hey, we want you to write this movie for us. And he'd never written a screenplay. And so he watched some karate movies. He's like, okay, I think I get how story works. And then he wrote this. <laughs> Those were the days just, when that's how you got a job in show business, right? The martial arts movie, the black guy shows up at the beginning. like His black friend at school shows up. And... He's like, hey, what's up, man? And the guy, the kid shows a martial arts, and the kid, the black guy starts rapping, and there's, like, music in the movie. Like, it comes in. Oh, like in uh, the M. Night Shyamalan thing, the visit, no, the grandparents movie, where the kid raps. Yeah, but that was a cappella, at least. It, if there'd been movie, music during that part, I would have agreed <laughs> that's similar. But that's what New York New, 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 New does that in its first scene, and then Bruce Lee's ghost shows up. So you're really getting, in a way, that guy did crack the script. All right, two no's from Kelly Wand for No Retreat, No Surrender. Dingus, what did you see this week? What's a movie you saw, and uh, what would you rate it? Um, Tom, do you know the number of movies we've seen with John Denver songs in them? At least three in the last year. Yeah, that's true. So Uh, Logan Lucky also. Or wait, Do you remember a movie where Rebecca Hall sings a John Denver song in her car? Did you finally watch Christine? Is that what you're talking about? That's right. I watched finally. Jeez, how long? How long did it take me to get? Is it Tracy Letts or J. Cameron Smith? What? What was it? Is it a remake of the Carpenter one? No. Do you know who Christine Chudik is, Kelly Wand? No. Did you, Dingus? 
I did not know, but I just loved hearing Chubbuck. them say Chubbuck all, all the time. Chubbuck. 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 Right, right. Hey, Chubbuck. Hey, Chubbuck. Chubbuck. And I, I almost used that as my name gag. Chubbuck. Chubbuck. I just loved hearing people call her Chubbuck. Chubbuck. So they don't – so weird. At the beginning of the movie, they don't like – if you were to watch that and not know who she was, it doesn't tip its hand at the beginning of the movie, does it? Um, It says it's based on a true story. But it doesn't say why the story is true. Why like it's Fargo. Notable. It doesn't – no, it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I knew that – I mean I, the, I remember that remember, woman's name. You remember the opening because you just – you showed me the opening scene. You remember right. the opening scene? It's yeah, where she's practicing. practicing, and then the right. yeah, and then yeah. Uh, but I yeah, I think if you didn't, so I I'm reluctant to like. Is it is it something that you should tell people why they made a movie about her, or is it something that you should discover watching the movie? Um, I think enough time has passed that it's 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 worthwhile to discover watching the movie. Okay. Uh, I'd I'd rather people discover it watching the movie than for me to reveal what happens, um, because I didn't know. I thought when it happened, I thought it was something that had happened to a different person somewhere else, um, uh, a male. Well, that uh, there's a politician who famously did that on, on right. live television, but uh, yeah, I think she predated him. Uh, I know. didn't. I didn't Predator. know that, and so it led me to read into that. Sort of, uh, re, uh, not read into it, but read about it, um, because I I didn't really know her story, uh, and it's 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 something that, and I did wonder. And Kelly referenced Fargo, um, and I did wonder as I was watching it. Am, am I watching something that's sort of Fargo esque? That sort of like we are just like nudge nudge wink wink. This is a true story, or is this an actual biography? I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. I just watched it and then I read up on it. Um, but I just think it's so. Uh, so I, so to answer your question, Tom, I don't. I, I would rather not reveal it. Actually, hmm. um, it's not because of her name. No, it's not because of her name. It's just because of what happens in the arc of her life, and and how it touches on so many different and so many different things that we deal with right that we're still dealing with dealing with right now, uh, as a society. Um, uh, I just found it fascinating, um, really well written, uh, an incredible cast, and Rebecca Hall just does some amazing things in it that I would love to be able to talk about, but some of them have to deal with uh, where the movie goes. Um, I, I just, I, I really like the way that her, her relationship with, uh, with uh, her mother is revealed. I, I love, I'd love to see Maria Dizia in anything. <laughs> um, I just, I, I love that actress so much. Who is she in Christine? She's Jean. She's the, She's the one who shoots, uh, who does the shooting for her, who's like uh, – Well, like I her get... friend. Okay. Yeah, her friend okay, who's, right. who is singing, you know. Um, you know, I, I – gosh, there's so many things I loved about this movie. Uh, you, It's a really great recommendation. Um, you know, she's she was in Martha Marcy May Marlene. She was in uh, Margin Call. Uh, no, I know she is. Also... I just didn't – right, right. Yeah, I okay. like her too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'm just her. letting other, other people know. That, and she was also in a, in a really great Louis C.K. Uh, epi- an episode of, of the movie Louis, uh, or the television show, television show Louis. Uh, she's really great to see. 
Um, and oh, and what's the gosh darn it? I never remember his name. The dude who is in Veep, who's in it. Um, uh, which one? There's several dudes. Uh, Gary Cole. The no, the the tall Brad lanky Hart. dude. The tall lanky dude in Veep. Uh, tall lanky dude. Tony Hale. Who keeps grabbing um, Patton Oswalt. Oh, the guy who plays, I don't know his name. The character actually plays like that senator who's, who's who, uh, yeah. No. Yeah, the, yeah, 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 him. I, I, I can't remember his name, but he's in this as the weatherman. Uh, and, of course, um, Michael C. Hall is in it, of course. Uh, but... Uh, I, I just re- I love the cast. I love the writing. I love the I love the way it touches on on um, on what we're doing with modern events without I think overdoing it, uh, but is is very much uh, pointed about the the things that it's saying about various uh, about these various issues as far as the way uh, news has been shaped over the years. Uh, it, it really gives this this sense for me. Uh, and perhaps this is a naive way of looking at it, of of how we've gotten to where we've gotten as far as news coverage is concerned right now. Um, and also there's stuff about guns in it. And I mean, I mean, it's just it's just a fascinating, really well done piece of work. And I think Rebecca Hall is amazing in it. So a great recommendation, Tom. Yeah, I, th- I think to mo- like uh, you're, you're definitely right. There there are politically relevant things, but I think the best way to describe it and what it does best is shows a portrait of of and this is going to make it sound like an after school movie. And if someone had described it to me this way, I wouldn't want to see it. But I think it's it's a fascinating insight into how depression manifests itself. Right. Uh, and normally you see these movies about men having midlife crises, uh, and to just to see it about a, a professional woman uh, from a very different time, of course, to see a, a movie about a, a woman dealing with depression uh, and such a powerfully uh, built performance about that with Rebecca Hall, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's my main takeaway. Is Yeah, all the stuff about guns and, and, and media, uh, and I love the bit where Anthony Michael Hall takes her to that, that meeting thing. Like All that stuff is, is great, but to me, it's just her manifesting the, the the experience of depression. Uh, and yeah, that meeting was really amazing to me. <laughs> Just, yeah. that was Isn't the, that weird? That was the 70s, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's who she is. It's oh. very... It's very on the other side of how you do improv. Kelly Wan just Googled Christine Chubbuck. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, I started feeling dumb. So what was it called? I, I don't think, think there's any like... reason to remember that, Kelly Wan. It's just I, she's got such a distinctive name. And when the movie started, I don't think – I watched it just because it was Rebecca Hall and I'd seen another movie the director did. Uh, and it was only as the movie was going on that I was like, oh, this is about her. Uh, and starring her. It's starring Rebecca Hall, yeah, yeah. And there, there's also, roughly concurrent with it, I don't know if it was the anniversary of, of, of the shooting. I mean, if, I, I don't know why, but there was a documentary, uh, actually sort of a mockumentary, and I forget the name of it. It might be even, I think it had some stupid, pretentious title like I Am Christine. And it was about, and it was so uh, just excruciatingly bad and self-indulgent, but it's about a guy who's wanting to make a movie about Christine Chubbuck. And he... He hires an actress, and the movie we're watching is the behind-the-scenes footage that the actress is shooting of, of her doing the performance. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it is so self-indulgent, and the actress it, – it's, it's like a student movie. I don't 
how did I even come across this? But uh, the actress is just so awful, and her struggling with how do I play this character and what should I do, and it's just it it's just like actors and performing at their worst. And was it deliberately bad? No, like, no, no. They really thought they were being uh, relevant, and that's what yeah, exactly, yeah, and that. I, I don't mind crappy movies. I love crappy movies, but crappy movies that I feel are missing the point of and exploiting horrible real-world things just rub me the wrong way. I hate that kind of stuff. So uh, watch. I think it was called I Am Christine. Uh, so you know that compared to uh, Christine, the Campos movie, that's how you deal with – a terrible thing that happens and when you want to create it for, for for cinema is you use it to make a point to create a portrait of a person to give you insight into right. why and how this happened rather than to draw people to it because it was lurid terrible thing and now we're going to recreate it and oh look at how brave we are um so well, you don't even understand what she's going through i mean one that i'm really glad you brought up the the um how depression affected you as far as what is was going on with this character because it the issue of depression sort of um i don't know it sort of unfolds like a a a blossom i mean it kind of uh, gradually comes out and you realize oh that's what's happening right um because she's got these weird insecurities and the and it but it could just be part of being an artist or part of trying to make it in this particular business or whatever but you, then you see more and more how that moves how that moves out into the movie uh, and and how it envelops who she is um but the movie lets you know that as it goes it's really well well staged in that way yeah um, who? Uh, what was the other movie by Antonio Campos that you had seen? Was oh, you guys wouldn't school? have seen it. Uh, no, it's a it's a weird little serial killer movie, kind of told from the perspective of the serial killer, and you're not even sure if he's a serial killer. It's called Simon Killer. Uh, oh. There's a kid named Brady Corbett in it, which is why I watched it. Um, it's stylish. It's weird. I don't really care for it, uh, and it doesn't have any of the the heart or insight of Christine. But oh. you definitely get the sense that the guy knows how to shoot a movie. Um, what is after school? Do you know that? Is that one you watched? No, no, it's not. It's just in in the list I wrote down of these are the things the guy has done. I have never seen anything he's done. Okay. Um, but it it seemed like sort of an interesting. It, it just looked interesting. Right. Uh, but I I didn't know what Simon Killer was. So yet. I just looked it I, up. It's the oh sorry the, the movie that I was thinking of the the stupid docudrama thing, uh, is called Kate plays Christine. That's the name of it. Uh, yeah. Now he's making a prequel for of The Omen. Oh, really? Antonio Campos? Yeah. Uh -huh. What? Uh, why would you – wait, how, a prequel – I guess – I was going to say if the baby's not born yet, what, what, what can the prequel be about? Is it an embryonic movie? Maybe how they met – Gregory Peck met – what's her name? Uh, the yeah, the, hired or something. Yeah, exactly. The maid infiltrating her, her way into the uh, ambassador. I don't get why they keep making prequels, and they keep giving him – Cool. Cool. I, well, the Simon Killer guy, like I, you know, I, I don't know. Based on Christine, you'd want to see a horror movie from that guy. But if you look at Simon Killer, like he knows how to do a horror movie. I could see him doing a an Omen prequel. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm on board. An Omen, an Omen television series. <laughs> Are you? That's not a thing. Is that a thing, Dingus? No, I'm just saying. Why oh. not? <laughs> 
TV uh, series about a kid. Uh, so let me just it. ask this, Tom. What did you see this week? I saw. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. It's gonna be a little discursive. Let me just tell you how I got here. There's a there's a really cool movie with a couple of actors that I really like called Goat. Uh, and Goat is about uh, uh, fraternity hazing. Uh, uh, it involves a live goat, and and it's uh, it's really good. Uh, I like some of the the, the actors in it. Uh, and I saw it because the guy had previously made a movie called King Kelly. Now, I saw King Kelly. It's a couple years old, uh, and it's about a cam girl. I don't know if you guys know what this is, uh, but uh, cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me explain to you because you probably don't. But cam girls uh-huh. are are just chicks who like strip or know, masturbate or whatever on a webcam, and people watch, and you can like gift them tokens or whatever, and they they make like micro. The internet in its purest form. Exactly, Kelly Wan. Just just the the masturbation and money. Yeah. Who are uh, we kidding? And 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 the the whole idea of a cam girl is she's working directly for like nobody's like. I mean, I guess they have middlemen, but nobody's like producing a movie or distributing it. It's just a woman and a webcam and whatever web portal hosts all this stuff. So there's a movie about cam girls called King Kelly from a few years ago uh, that I thought was going to be. It's kind of billed as like a horror movie, and it's it's about a cam girl, and she's she's super vapid, and she meets one of her fans, customers, viewers, whatever, and he's like a cop, and it goes off the rails, and they shoot someone, and she's like on drugs, and it's it becomes this uh, self-destructive cycle that ends, I forget even how it ends, uh, but I didn't care for it, I didn't think there was much to it, um, however, I, I, I went back and watched it after seeing Goat, because I love Goat. I think it's Goat is, is a genuinely great movie, and, and I, I love the two main actors in it. One of that Jonas Brothers kid who was in Jumanji, by the way, he's in oh. Goat, and, and he's tremendous in Goat. Um, and Ben Ben Wishaw is in. It. But at any rate, so after seeing Goat, I was like, well, maybe King Kelly isn't that bad. And I went back and rewatched it. And upon rewatching it, went, holy cats! I love this actress. I didn't realize it was her when I had first seen the movie, but since seeing King Kelly. There's a, a young actress named Louisa Krauss who I she's been in some horror movies. Um, she's in a really terrible horror movie with Jason Patrick where they play security guards, and the movie is terrible. But the scenes between the two of them are just precious. Uh, so I love this actress. And watching King Kelly, I never would. She just plays someone so vapid and annoying uh, and and unself-aware in the movie that I would never guess from King Kelly that I was going to just grow to really love Louisa Krause as an actress. Um, she's just really good, and she's just super present with the people she's working with. Uh, she's not, like, conceited. She's not conventionally beautiful, uh, but she's just a really solid actress, and I can't wait to watch uh, her career develop, watch more stuff she does. She's kind of like an Ashley Bell, or, or like what we hoped w- would happen with Chloe Moritz Grace, for instance. So, uh, watch King Kelly... Louisa Krauss is in it. She's still super annoying. Not much comes of it. Uh, Which horror movies was she in? Uh, let's see. She's in one called – oh, shoot. The Seduction – oh. She's uh, in Martha Marcy May Marlene. Which yeah, is. yeah. She, that's right. She has a tiny part as one of the cultists in that. Uh, um, that's, that's a horror movie. Yeah. She's in something called – oh, what is that thing called – uh, where she's the titular character who gets possessed – Ava's Possessions. She's in a really um, – it, it's sort of a comedy – 
told from the perspective of the Linda Blair character. Uh, <laughs> like, what if she really did want to be possessed and sort of use it? So there's a, there's a, there's a possession comedy <laughs> called Ava's Possessions that, that she's in. Uh, and Linda Blair didn't want to be possessed. Isn't there a Lindsay – isn't there a, a – not Lindsay um, – a Leslie Nielsen movie about the exorcist? Repossessed. Sure, there's got to be okay. yeah, some Zucker right. Brothers thing or something. Um, uh, so as it, at any rate, fast forward now to me discovering that there is a horror movie on Netflix called Cam, which <laughs> oh, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I'm – you know, King Kill. I've seen what these horror movies are going to be. It's about how she's she's vapid and terrible things happen to her, and maybe one of her customers stalks her. Uh, I don't. This is going to be dumb. But I started watching it, and sure enough, the actress playing the cam girl super annoying. And I'm watching it, and I'm kind of ignoring it in a window while I'm trying to write something. And it's going on. It's like a half hour into it, and I'm like, this is really dumb, and this actress is just This is so how you bad. discovered Battle of the Five Armies, if I remember right. <laughs> Go on. But about – This so is great. Furthermore, Cam is uh, a, a Blumhouse production. It's, uh, oh. So I'm like, yeah, this is just some product. And the fact, by the way, that it's on Netflix means it's got to be terrible because yeah. Netflix is just – So it's, well, it's, it's playing. It's about a half hour through – Crapshoot. But then something happens, and Cam ended up uh, becoming for for its subject matter. It's it's especially surprising that it's about Cam girls. It ended up being a really cool existential horror movie uh, that I would put up there as far as not necessarily quality or depth, but as far as what it's going for. I would put it up there with one of my favorite Japanese horror movies, Cairo or Pulse. Which is an existential horror movie about Ugh. technology and the internet and Love what it Cam. does to us. And uh, so, Cam, did you? See, you didn't see Cam Kelly one, did you? No, but I, okay. I know how much you revere Pulse. Yeah, and now so, I'm definitely gonna watch. Yeah, it. That's Cam says. Yeah. It. Cam gets really smart, uh, and the actress who I thought was terrible ends up being really good. Uh, and I'm not the least bit surprised. She's one of the principals on Handmaid's Tale, which I no hand no the hand Just wait hand, what's the Hulu Handmaid's. thing. Just Handmaid's. Handmaid's Tale, that right. That society has principles? Or she's a principal actress? <laughs> she's, no, she's one of the main actresses on, on right. uh, Handmaid's Tale, on Hulu, which I keep wanting to watch, which has some great actresses like Anne Dowd and uh, Elizabeth Moss. Is that her name? Uh, yes. But I, I really want to yeah. see uh, Handmaid's Tale, so I'm not the least bit surprised that this young woman, her name is Madeline Brewer, uh, and I, you watch the first half hour of Cam, and you're like, oh my god, she's dreadful. Uh, but she's supposed to be that way, and then once it becomes a different kind of movie, the young lady really rises to the occasion, and I'm like, wow, I yeah. bet she's really good on, on Handmaid's Tale as well. Uh, it's a first-time director. He hasn't and he, he wrote it himself. He hasn't done other things, uh, and it's way, way better than King Kelly, and I just – it was a very pleasant surprise. I think it helps to expect that this is going to be terrible uh, because when it reveals the way that it's going to play, you're like, wow, that's – that's really clever, smart stuff. I didn't see that coming. So there you go, Cam. I uh, hardly Cam. recommend it. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, of the of those movies that you talked about, the one you, you watched Goat this week, do you want to? No, no, no. Goat? I watched Goat a while ago. You guys should see Goat. Oh. I was just trying to – there's way too much groundwork, but I was just trying to lay the groundwork for why I sat through 30 minutes of what I was positive was going to be a horrible uh, cam girl horror movie anything. on Netflix. I'll try anything, Kelly Wan, because every now and then right, something you like discover a cam. Exactly, exactly. Something like that happens. You're so. sifting for gold. 
Yeah. Wouldn't it be more interesting if the, the cam girl who appeared to be vapid was like a high-powered executive or a, a super smart Oh, I got that for you, Dingus. Watch a, a, a Fifty Shades. No, no, Riley Keough and Girlfriend Experience. Because uh, that, that's also what I was thinking watching Cam, is that uh, Girlfriend Experience, which uh, Steven Soderbergh helped develop, but is really the creation of Amy Simons, who we love. Uh, Girlfriend Experience uh, is about what, what if a super smart, uh, uh, very together woman uh, uses her sexuality as currency. Uh you know, and, and it's not a movie about a cautionary tale about, oh, it's terrible if you do this and it's going to destroy your life. It's sort of a movie about how uh, women can leverage power. Uh, and Riley Keough is great in it. Uh, oh, okay. It's their revenge. Uh, for the thing being is, exploited it, for it. The, the, the thing about Circular Girlfriend Experience is, it, is it's not a cruel movie. Uh, it really is just about the dynamics of these kinds of relationships. And it's not trying to be judgmental. Uh, and it's it's... Uh, yeah, so it's just about that one person. It's just her trip, as far as you. Um, right, but when right. I watch something like that, I always think that. Right, like Passion of the Christ, I'm like, yeah, that could happen to anyone that day. <laughs> but it helps if you're the son of God. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> right, it helps if you look like Riley Keough. Yeah, sure. But none of the character or none of the Romans know. So to them, it is just a Thursday. So they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's a great tagline for Passion of the Christ, by the way. It helps if you're the Son of God. Right. <laughs> well, there is a sequel that Mel's working on, which I'm very excited about. As you is that know, true? Huge fan. I, I, I've read that multiple times, and oh. each time thought it was an April Fool's joke. But I thought he was shooting it. Like, it was up to the, like, yeah, it's happening. Fuck all, right. all of you. Huh? We'll see. It might be out I'll show day. you. Yeah. yeah. All right, Dingus, let's do a three-by-three three now. So we've seen yeah. uh, No Retreat, yeah. No Surrender, Christine, and Cam. Uh, <laughs> That's quite, two of them sound good. Quite a triple feature. Not the one I saw. Well, Dingus, what's oh. our three-by-three three this month? What should we talk about now? What did you say? What should we talk about now? Thank you. You can say All that right. again. Uh, Tell see, me about it. it. See? Uh, are you when you even do it. These are your three... Three favorite uh, instances of repeated lines within the same movie. So uh, a line is said in a movie, and then later on, a line is said in the movie in the same movie. doesn't have to be by the same character, but you have a reason for why you like this. Um, and that's it. It's just a repeated line within the same movie. All right, I'll All be in inter- yeah. Oh, yeah. Kelly Wan, do you already know if you've done it wrong? Because a lot of times Dingus will say, or I'll say the topic, and you'll be like, oops, I did it wrong. How, how's it looking? Well, I couldn't remember if it was the same character or not, so mine are all the same character, just in case. No, I made it, I made it clear it wasn't. Because yeah, I know, I just Chris, remember. Because Chris Markinson asked. He, he made a point of asking, does it have to be the same character? And, and, and I think I said that in one of our previous podcasts, that it right. doesn't have to be the same character. Right. Wait, uh, does it have to be the same line? It's a repeated line. <laughs> I think I did Kelly it Kelly if it's not the same line, how is the word repeated applying? <laughs> yeah, I did it wrong then. Kelly Wan, look up words. Plural? Just say look up word. How is that even a question? <laughs> does hey, it, that's a question. Think it's, does it have to be a line in a movie? Does it have to be a line, like something that someone says? It's, it's, it's does it have repeated. to be one line long? <laughs> it's the same repeated. It can be a facial expression. That's a line. But it has to be straight, like not. Kelly, one. Let me show you how this works, because I'll go All first, because right, I'm, really I'm introducing next month's topic. 
Kelly Wan, my third favorite repeated line in a movie. Now, I uh, I have a strange relationship with absurdist humor because Tell generally, me about it. right? Exactly. <laughs> that that's nonsense. Like I don't find that funny. Nonsense. But sometimes nonsense I find not necessarily funny, but Lewis Carroll. Well, that's the thing about absurdist stuff is that if you can project onto it your own meaning, if you can cull from it some meaning or put it there, if it feels like it fits, or even if just the way that it makes you feel works, uh, absurdist stuff is super powerful because it's what you want it to be. And I have a, a theory that this is why I love Quentin Dupuis' first couple of movies, Rubber, mm. and then a movie called Wrong Cops, as much as I do. They're absurdist, and I don't think they mean anything – I think when he made them, he was just kind of having fun, and they were like gags to him. And if I were to come to him and tell him what they meant to me and why I thought they were powerful, he would – punch you. Well, he would think I was an idiot. He would laugh at me, and I don't think he's a violent man, Kelly Wan. Shut but if up, he was, fool. Yeah, he would totally punch me. So Wrong Cops, God, I love this movie, and I can totally imagine people watching this movie thinking, what? I don't get it. It's not funny. These aren't jokes. Why do you like this? Um, what, the, the main actor in Wrong Cops is a guy uh, in a movie called Low Life, which I recently watched. His name is Mark Burnham, and I just loved seeing him again in Low Life. So I rewatched Wrong Cops, and I'm just fascinated by everyone in it. Uh, I don't like Tim and Eric, that, that whole that, – those two guys' weird sense of humor, but the Eric – uh, part of the half is in Wrong Cops. There's a really cute young blonde comedian from Mad TV named uh, Arden Myron who's in it. I love her. Uh, Steve Little, the guy from Eastbound and Down, is in it. Uh, but but uh, uh, Marilyn Manson has a great part in it. The but black main, guy? No, Marilyn Manson. I don't know who the black guy is. He's awesome. But Marilyn Manson yeah. is the, the kid who uh, – I just meant he's awesome. Right, right, right. Exactly. He's I wasn't awesome too. I was confusing them. Right. But yeah, Marilyn Manson. Um, but but so Mark Burnham, though, basically drives it, and he's just this outrageously terrible police officer who is just morally bankrupt, and he's a dick, and he's mean to people, and he doesn't mind if he gets people killed. Uh, and this is not a realistic universe, by the way. This is all just absurd. So over the course of the movie uh, – And he's he, into music. Yeah, exactly. He's into bad music, like terrible yeah. music, and he's Very super into years. opining about – exactly, like why something's terrible or bad. So at the end of the movie, someone – he's gotten someone uh, killed uh, who was was trying to help him. He, he So this guy gets killed, and the guy is kind of innocent, and he's – so there's a funeral, and the movie ends with the killed person's funeral, and Mark Burnham is at the funeral. And as the chief of police, Ray Wise, shows up, I think it's just one of two scenes he's got in the movie, uh, and he gives the eulogy at the funeral saying, uh, basically, look, it's my kid's birthday party. I can't stay here very long. Uh, I just want to say I didn't really know the guy. You know, he's probably in hell. That's really terrible. I feel bad for him, but, uh, you know, i got to get out of here. And then Mark Burnham speaks up at this point, and he says, no, I think you have it wrong, sir, respectfully. And this is like the only character that this dick cop has deferred to. And he says, I think you've got it wrong. I don't think he's in hell. I think we're in hell. I think this right here is hell. And I think that's kind of the point in a way of wrong cops is just that the hell of modern existence, this sort of existential, super cynical, like hipply cynical perspective on life and reality. So he's saying, I think this is hell. Uh, and uh, – Ray Wise is like, eh, I don't think so, and uh, just sort of shuts him down and leaves. <laughs> so then the movie ends as the widow of the slain person comes up to him 
and he's just said this at her husband's eulogy. And she says, I just wanted you to know I really appreciate what you just said, and it makes me feel better, <laughs> and I think there's a lot of wisdom in it. And at that point, and I don't know what this means or why he does it, Quentin Depew, and I don't know if he's serious, the, the cop, his name is uh, Duke, says, look, I can't hear you. I don't understand what you're saying. What you're saying is just passing through my head, and I can't register. And I don't know if he's being a jerk. I don't know if he just means this, if this is true, and he has ceased being able to understand things that are being said. Um, but he finally tells her to fuck off, and he's like rude to her daughter. And before she goes, she says, well, I just want you know, I think that you're really smart, and you made some good points, and I think you should write a book about it. And then she storms <laughs> off. She stalks off. So Wrong Cops ends with Mark Burnham as Duke yelling at her, completely unknowing Write a book about what? And he just oh, yells so he did that. Hear. He did hear, and he yells that over and over, and that's how the movie ends: is him repeating this line, which I'm sure Quentin Depew thought was really funny and weird and clever, and I think it's all of those things. But to me, it just represents this fact that you just you you cannot understand how terrible reality is. That yeah. that you cannot that that it is impossible to know the enormity of the existential dilemma. And, and you're in it. And you're yeah, in it, exactly. It. And he says it too, and a, a deer wanders onto the, the graveyard and looks like at him, stigus? and he's yelling this at the deer. He is demanding the deer tell him, write a book about what? Uh, and then he looks up, and the deer is gone, and the credits roll. And I don't know what any of that means, but it, it weirdly Wait. resonates yeah. with me. Uh, and I just... Then? I, I, then what? Well, then they all dance. Oh, well, the the... the is that over the credits, or that's before the, so. the eulogy? You know what? I think I you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Because the you they're, they're all dancing. Because the widow's dancing. Exactly. Like, and, yeah. and, and, right. And shaking the champagne. She's fine. Spraying the champagne <laughs> around. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, yeah, basically, just, you know, go ahead and agonize over how terrible things are. But in the end, just dance and drink champagne on, on, on yeah, a dead person's grave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. It's just yeah. it's, it's this weird line that uh, I don't. I don't know what kind of meaning it has, but it's meaningful enough that he has to yell it several times at a deer who has no idea what's going on, who has wandered into a graveyard. There you That's go. awesome. I, I, I love that you brought that up uh, because, I mean, he – Quentin Depew states that at the beginning of his of his movies, like – there's no reason for any of this. And that, that's yeah. the manifesto that, that opens rubber. Yeah, exactly. And Which I think is, that's his manifesto. It just, there's no reason. Right, don't, right. Don't look for anything. Right, I think exactly. Burnham's right and we are in hell. And I was thinking Sons. about that that movie a lot this week because um, what's the name of the guy who does, who's that officer who's doing that monologue? Steven Spinella. Thank you, Steven Spinella. He appears in a movie that I did see as well. I uh, am... Um, uh, how can you ever forgive me? Um, oh, and I kept he looks he looks slightly different, but his voice is so distinctive, and his he's just got a certain. I mean, his hair is different, of course. Um, and uh, and seeing him, I was like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? It was distracting from the movie because I was a little frustrated with some of the aspects of the movie. Uh, and then I was like, oh, that's that dude from Rubber. Yeah, he's sort of the Mark Burnham in Rubber, basically. It's, yeah, he's that character. The main Trumps character. are Burnham and RL. Oh, I want to see a Trump biopic with Mark Burnham playing Trump. I would love that. Yeah. So Kelly, one, you haven't talked to him. You haven't seen what? Low Life, right? 
No, but I like that guy too. Yeah, you need to see Low Life because that guy is just. Is he, it this year? Because I need my top ten list filled. Uh, Low Life is this it's, year. Yeah, Low Life is this year, and uh, it's Mark Burnham is kind of like that. He's not, he's only in parts of it, but he completely drives that movie. Uh, that movie is it exists. I, not the the story in that movie exists because of his character, and the movie will not let you forget it. Uh, and Low he, life. He yeah yeah and and Burnham. And well, and Rock Cops as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, does I mean, Mark does Burnham ever come cop? to Dunson and Wood? Dingus, we're not talking Shakespeare here. This is this is Sorry. absurdity. Wow. Look what Dingus did. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, Kelly Outrageous. wants to. So that's an example of a repeated line. Dingus, so... we're talking about absurdism, not. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever you just did. <laughs> Get all Elizabethan on us. Uh. See, when you said that, I thought of Bothans. So getting Both. back to what Dingus <laughs> What's the question? Kelly, the... What's your, the question is, what's your third favorite repeated line in a movie? All right, many... this is one of my dumb ones. What? I was going to say, many jokes died to bring us this topic. Here's one of them. This is my number three. Uh... My number three is, I know he can get the job, but can he do the job? Oh, yeah. Joe versus the Volcano. That's a great one. I love that. Interspersed with, I'm not arguing that with you. And uh, my reason for picking it is, I really can't, every time I see that scene, I try and picture the other guy on the line, <laughs> like what he's saying. Like, is he yeah. exasperated? or? The, yeah. I don't know. I go. I vacillate, and quite messily, between exasperated and exactly the same as Dan had his character. And like saying his exact thing to like, yeah, but he can get the job because <laughs> that's really all he can be saying. But I try and think of exceptions, like maybe he or maybe he's having a completely different conversation. Or the guy is not even listening to Dan Hedaya. Dan Hedaya is just extrapolating. Oh, I kind of like to think because that also there's a, there's a quality of absurdism to that. Like I like to think that they are completely engaged in this conversation and then it will go yeah. on for eternity and it doesn't seem nonsensical to either one of them <laughs> i can yeah. imagine that going and then on. tom hanks is used to listening to it it's just right. part of uh it's like his um space metronome Anyways, and this is this is the guy who wrote and directed and will go on to write and direct doubt <laughs> how weird is that like john and patrick Chandler. yeah oh he's moonstruck uh in so january man if i remember right was his direct john patrick he did Moonstruck. Yeah, that was what made. That's what got Joe vs. Volcano made. All right, <laughs> that was his passion project. But I think Joe, I like Moonstruck, and I I really like Joe vs. Volcano a lot more than Moonstruck. By far, it's my favorite Tom Hanks Meg Ryaner. Well, <sighs> yeah, I mean, come on, that's like... low praise, huh? <laughs> but look, the other two are like we're huge hits, so I'm dumb. <laughs> All right, we're in hell then. Aren't we? <laughs> that Kelly's is a good out. one, though, Kelly One. I'm glad. Yeah, that's a very good. Kelly One, I think you've done it correctly. Well, I'll leave that to Ding. Dingus, that works, right? I wonder if Moonstruck holds up. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen it since. Because I just I think just of Nick, going, yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage being such a ding-dong in it. and um, Yeah, but the concept's cool. What, what are Baker? Arr. Like that. <laughs> I haven't seen that before. Falling, it's, I just falling for share? That's good. That, that's good, that right? weird screamy thing where he does... He took my bride, he took my arm, or hand, or whatever he says. And the way he says it, I'm taking you to the bed. I mean, it's just uh, those That's types how we, of yeah. things. Yeah, you make me want to watch it. 
Uh, well, Sorry, I want to watch yeah. it now too, but because I love the, I love, I love the the dude who's like La Bella Luna. I mean, I love the, yeah. I love the some of those things. I just wonder if it holds up. It's where we met at Danny Aiello, pre uh, <laughs> the right thing. Did you see Joe versus the volcano though? Am I dub for liking it? Well, we've all seen it, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember a thing. I don't know if it holds up. It's been a long it, do, time. it does not. It does not. I mean, parts of it do, but uh... it's still like I don't know stuff. Like I watched the net. Oh, how's that work out? Yeah. Wow. That's it's a, really that's boring. A lot of insight into the internet on that. Movie. It's her running from uh, like a guy like for an hour solid, like just running through an amusement park, running down a street. She just runs and runs and runs. The, the, he, they get her in a car. She gets out. She runs some more. Okay, I'm on board. Like, yeah, that's like, what yeah, gravity is. Hot. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that's a good point. That's what she does best. And speed too. She's kind of doing. Yeah. It is she's amazing. Stuck somewhere dumb. That he directed Doubt. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. Well, he also I mean, like if you think he's a playwright that goes back to Danny in the Deep Blue Sea. Like that's yeah, that's yeah. what I think of. And it just seems like he wanted to do comedies every now and then. But I get the sense that. That doubt is the real John Patrick Shanley, uh, and that the Moonstruck Joe versus the Volcano stuff is just him goofing around. I don't know, but yeah, it is weird, Dingus. Yeah. yeah. Because I would I would think that it's it, you That's know January, until man. you until you reminded me of Danny the Deep Blue Sea, I was thinking, well, boy, he really showed some restraint on doubt, but maybe that's his natural state, and every now and then he just lets he lets his freak flag fr- fly, right, you know, right. just go. So right. I'm just gonna do Congo. <laughs> he didn't wait he didn't congo. direct congo he directed congo no he just re- he just wrote the screenplay it's it's i, I don't think for congo yeah uh, wow yeah i know <laughs> huh. okay it's like john sales levels of uh, diversity there i, I have to think about that yeah that's and a he, bill lancaster and he did that um what's the uh kevin klein movie january man oh january man sorry it's terrible uh, it's terrible it's really lame. So he wrote a bunch of those things, and maybe they were just hired things like, like Tom referenced, and I didn't think about this, the John Sales uh, thing. Uh, you know, maybe he just took on some some jobs. In the trailer for January Man, I remember he's getting dragged down some stairs by some guys about to murder him, and all the neighbors are watching, and he yells up, "How am I doing?" And then an old man <laughs> shakes his head <laughs> down. <laughs> January Man, let's rewatch. All right. This is going to be excited. So, yeah. Kelly, Joe versus the volcano. Very good. So yeah. far, you haven't screwed up the topic. Uh, I don't think. Okay. Well, well, I'm not good at these. This is why I don't like the three by threes because I stink at them. Like, I think well, it's not true. true. So far, well, yeah. I always think of better ones later during the podcast. Then you guys will let me change them. And then I'm like, if the podcast isn't done recording, I should be allowed to get <laughs> revision it. Once it's posted, it's too late. But it's still gibbering animal right you should be able to uh go ahead and you know rectify some of your choices right rectification that's my favorite shanley all right well dingus what is your third favorite repeated line in a movie all right here's a quote from it oh and here's the quote from it high speed screw torpedo into water yep Uh, uh uh red crimson tide Haha, uh-huh, you almost said the title correctly <laughs> first. Uh-huh. Yeah. I confused the submarine movies too much to even grief what? Oh, Red <laughs> October. Yeah, they are both red, that's true. Tom's not too crazy. 
There's only no, two red ones. But he wanted to grief me so badly that he said the title right. I know, right? I should, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's this... Uh, it's grief it's, to uh, cut in line. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's kind of easy to go with military ones, um, to repeat military lines over and over again, because that's Sir! military <laughs> culture, repeating things, and that's uh, obvious. Um, so I just love that line of... I just, I just remember... I remember the very first time I saw Hunt for Red October, and uh, I watched it for the first time with my son when we did the Hunter Killer podcast. And I remember seeing him go, seeing that uh, that semen on the uh, on the Red October on the. What are you? Which one? Which semen? I'm not going to tell you. All right. That's the part and that's just verboten. I just love. I love. I love hearing their 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 accents on that on that ship. And then hearing uh, Sean Connery's accent, you know, hearing the all the different sailors that are on there. There's Sam Neill, who's from Australia, and Sean Connery, who, who's from Scotland, and a bunch of other guys who are from different parts of uh, the Soviet Union, probably. And um, and just hearing that guy go, high-speed screw torpedo in the water. Who says and that? Who's him, the guy who says that? I, I honestly don't oh, know. I thought it was Connery. No, it's not. It's it's just one. It's the guy who's one of the, who's the guy who has to figure out what the sonar, what's going on with sonar. He's like basically he's, he's the he's the uh, Seaman Jones of that particular boat. Wait, why is that line repeated? Like it seems like he, he just tells people like I understand like Something's if fire torpedo fire torpedo tube one and then the guy has to repeat it and you do it. He's We're just reporting. Monkeys. He's just reporting what he's hearing. Why are people repeating what he is hearing? Right. Well, he repeats it because it happens later in the movie. So uh, one of the things that happens in Hunt for Red October is that it's sort of teaching you how things work on a submarine early on. Oh, it's so not that, like – I thought you were talking like the military where they, they give an order and then the, the order is repeated down the line so that it's not no, confused. OK. I thought it's – all right. Not like that. It's just that in, in a movie that's military-based, you're going to hear some similar lines said again right. and again because the, cause it's, it, they kind of work by a script. Uh, they have to. They have to say the exact thing. You know. Uh, you know. I need to go. No go. Go. No go. Go. No go. You need you, that kind of thing that happens. The, everything has to be exact uh, because we don't have any time to waste, and you have to know exactly what I'm saying, and you can't parse my language. And so, in the early part of the thi- in the early part of the movie, you hear him say, uh, right. "I have high speed screw torpedo in the water," because the um, the Russians are trying to get them, and a plane drops a torpedo into the water to kill them. The Russians and are trying then, to get them. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to get them. Just Very trying quaint. to get them. Just yeah. Torpedo yeah, so screw in the water. We're going to yeah, get and you. That's, and that's what, <laughs> that was your plan, get her. That's, um, part of, yeah, that's what it's like when you're actually trying to track down a submarine thing. You're trying to get it. Get the submarine. You're just trying to get it. Just yeah. get it. Get it. Try to get it. Get it. Just, <laughs> yeah. Come on. It's just like catching a, a little. Like just a trying to get fish. away from you. Get a net. Underwater. Just get it. You can get it. They should uh, use nets against them. And then this pays off. I mean, it's a payoff line because later on, when, um, uh, when, uh, I I can't remember any of the character names, so I'm not going to even say them. When the American captain from the other submarine gets onto the Russian submarine. Bart Fargo. Yes. Stephen Jones. If we can use baking soda for small subs. All right, it's Bart Mancuso. All right, so when Bart Mancuso gets oh, Bart on Bart Fargo's there, his... close, right. Okay. Bart Fargo. Uh, <laughs> Fandango. 
and they're being chased by the Kanabalov, uh, which is manned by Stellan Skarsgård, Skarsgård, who is uh, who is Tupolev, of course. Um, when they're shooting at him, the the guy goes, uh, "We have a high speed high speed screw torpedo in the water," and so you understand what's going on. But, but it's a it's a different level of of tension than it was earlier in the movie, and it pays off right there. Dang and it. I just I love I loved, your, I loved watching that with myself. I love your accent work. Can you give us a little bit of Tim Roth from Reservoir Dogs? You're Christian Bale from Gods and Kings. No, no, he does. A, he, he has a Christian. He has a Tim Roth from Reservoir Dogs. Watch All right, this. All right, Dingus, give it to us. I I uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Tom. I refuse. I don't know what you're talking about. That's pretty good. <laughs> Because according to Dingus, there's a part where Tim Roth's accent sort of like isn't quite there. Uh, and Dingus used to say this line, and I assumed he was like saying a line from some movie where somebody's a Russian. Uh, but he's doing it's, – it's Dingus trying to do Tim Roth's accent slipping in Reservoir Dogs, which I can't unhear now when I see that bit. <laughs> uh, it involves uh, profanity, so I imagine Dingus is shy about saying it. It has the word MFR in it. It's something like – I'll try it. It's not even profanity. MFR? Yeah. It's, it makes a movie rated R. But you can say the F bomb, but if you couple it with the M word in front of the F bomb, you're rated R. You can have one F bomb, but if it's an MF bomb, R rating. I, w- I want to hear you That's say That's dumb. Yeah. I'm going to try. I don't, I don't know. Like, thing is, so it's something like, Motherfucker, I'm watching Lost Boys here. <laughs> <laughs> it's when he's telling. I win. I he love says it. that. Well, it's when he's like t- relating his story to. It's not Jeffrey Wright. Who's his commanding officer? That he's on the roof with. I can't even remember. But uh, he does but, say basically, "Motherfucker, I'm trying to watch the Lost Boys." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. And it's it's like if you if you were, if you didn't have Dingus tell you, oh, yeah, you can hear Tim Roth's accent slipping a little, it wouldn't even occur to you. But once Dingus tells you that, and you hear Dingus saying it. When you hear him doing that line, because he's up there rehearsing his script with his commanding officer. When you find out that he's a cop and he's going to go undercover, uh, who is that guy? Uh, I thought it was Jeffrey Wright, but that can't be correct. Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey. isn't in. Yeah, that would be no, awesome no. if he was in. Reservoir I can see Dogs. the guy's face, and, and yeah. I, he's got a Jeffrey Wright uh, thing about it. He's, he's Wright-esque. Yeah. He's Wright-esque. Yes. Yeah. We got the high-speed screw torpedo <laughs> in the water. <laughs> Right? He's very from, good, Tim he's Roth. He's from the Russian part of the yeah. Film, I guess. yeah. That's what I heard you say. The Moscow right. Bronx. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me give Close you guys the my door you over there. my second favorite repeated line in a movie. Uh, I don't think either of you guys have seen this, which is a shame because uh, everything that Get Out did wrong, I felt. Uh, <laughs> the ending. Well, not the ending. My problem with Get Out is it has an uneven tone, and I feel that it's got one foot in the world of sketch comedy, uh, which is fine if that's what you want to do, and Jordan Peele, that's his background. But the sketch comedy bits with Lil Howery, the, the guy playing the TSA agent, TSA and that, all that smack my bitch up like ending stuff at the end. Tom uh, was I, tested well. They, they might have, but I feel that it sort of compromises this really cool social satire that Jordan Peele has there. So... Everything that I feel was an issue with Get Out, uh, I think is um, – if you were to take someone who doesn't do sketch comedy and say, hey, we want you to do a social satire about the experience of, 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 of a black young man in America, uh, and if you were to say not give this to a Hollywood director but give it to a rights activist 
who has also had a career as a musician, like a, like a hip-hop musician, and you were to say to this guy, you know what, you, with a background in this from a political social perspective, why don't you tell a social satire about the experience of black men in, in America, specifically Oakland, by the way, because uh, this movie I'm about to tell you about yeah. is very Oakland-centric. It came out about the same time as a movie called Blind Spotting uh, with, with – uh, uh, David Diggs, uh, one of the guys from Hamilton. Blind Spotting is great. It's got a lot of heart. But this movie, it doesn't have heart. It has bite. And it has real bite as social satire. And it's a movie directed by a former rights activist, musician, a guy named Boots Riley. And he wrote and directed Sorry to Bother You, uh, which stars uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who. We we love that guy. He had an awesome part in Get Out, um, and it is it is one of the most canny social satires I've seen. Maybe this might be too high praise, but I couldn't help but think it while I was watching it. But it's one of one of the most insightful, uh, outrageous social satires I've seen since Brazil. Uh, wow. And I I think that uh, I I think it's an it's it's an amazing bit of work. So. It, and it's also – it completely goes off the rails too. It just gets insane, and it might be a little bit too long, and some of the directions that Boots Riley wants to take it are questionable, but he is completely committed, and so is his cast, uh, and he's got a sense of style. So Sorry to Bother You begins putatively. It's, a, it's uh. about a, a guy in Oakland uh, who's trying to get a job as a, as a telemarketer. And the, the title is just, you know, that's how you open this, the call when you're a telemarketer. That's what the script tells you to say is sorry to bother you. Uh, and throughout the movie, it is capturing – when it's showing him at work, it's capturing the idea of what it's like to be a telemarketer by physically dropping him into the set where, where people are going about their business. And he's sitting there at his desk in the same room as the people that he's bothering. Uh, and he's having to say, sorry to bother you, but I'd like to tell you some about this item that we're selling. Or uh, could you – you know, he's part of a telemarketing firm whose job it is to meticulously pester people for specific information or to sell stuff to them. And uh, part of the story is about what this does to uh, – about how he feels about this. Um, and does he really want to participate in this sort of thing? And in the movie, you might think, okay, so it's going to be about the ethical dilemma of do I want to be a dick and work in sales? And early <laughs> on, you're like, yeah, okay, that's what it's about. And Lakeith Stanfield is, is – the guy's an amazing actor, and I love to – he's got this, this Denzel Washington quality of looking like a really fierce, smart guy who has had to subsume or sort of swallow – that intelligence and that that spark, who's have to sort of tamp right. it down. Uh, and Lakeith Stanfield, I might be saying it, Stanfield, yeah. No, I think uh, you're saying it right, but what I love about it is, as soon as you say his name, I can see his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got, and there's this amazing sincerity to him too. And that, yeah. that's part of what makes sorry to bother you work is he's having to play a guy who's completely insincere uh, with the the whole telemarketing, um, and the way that they. Well, there's some really cool tricks in this movie that uh, are just really jarring, and they work. And so by the time the movie is over, the, the final line in the movie is, sorry to bother you. And what <laughs> Boots Riley has brought to this destination, how the movie ends, and the context in which this final line is delivered, and how outrageous it is that this is where we are, considering this is where we started you know, 90 minutes ago, two hours ago. Uh, I just love the fact that 
when that line is repeated, the movie has reached the point it has reached. Uh, so sorry to bother you, Kelly Wan. If you're looking for top ten things, it's a it's a Kelly Wan yeah. movie. It's definitely right. a so Kelly Wan. Telemarketing's movie. terrifying sounding is, to me. Yeah. So I, I, is that kind of said to us? No, no, no. There's no uh, like meta or breaking the the fourth oh, wall or anything. Right. It, it's very much a self-contained reality, uh, and it has some absurdist elements. Uh, but like I said, it's like Brazil. It's like serious social satire. Um, but it's that, not like the movie is is looking at us as the audience and saying, "Sorry to bother you." Nope, not at all. Nope. The uh, Boots Riley has no compunction about bothering people in the audience, and that's too like. It's I, not I, sorry to bother you. I describe this, and I feel like it's a, it's kind of shortchanging it. Um, Get Out is very much about the about the black experience. I don't think that Sorry to Bother You needs to be – it's very specifically about a young black man, and race relations are a big part of it. And by the way, uh, both in Blind Spotting and in Sorry to Bother You, two incredible scenes revolving around uh, the N-word and the use of the n-word and what it means and how it feels and in blind spotting it is a, an incredibly moving conversation between two friends uh but the way that boots riley does it you know brings out the n-word in sorry to bother you it's just wickedly funny and uncomfortable uh and i want to tell you guys what it is and i want to say the line because it's just it, it's just it, it's a very I support you. It's a very pointed moment, but it it really sticks in your head, and it's like an earworm, and I'm just wanting Uh, to do it right now, but it would be so grossly inappropriate. Uh, What? You're quoting a movie. I I can't. I mean, you just got to see the movie and think, Tom wanted to say that? You big baby. (laughs) All right. It's that good, though? I'll say that? Yeah, it's it's, – it's that good. Right. It's that good. I was going around the house. Yeah, yeah, it's that good. And it's in Sorry um, to Bother You, not It's in Sorry to Bother You. Well, both Blind Spotting and Sorry to Bother You, and it's illustrated. They both have lines. It, it, yeah, I think it's a, it's a perfect example of the difference between the movies, how they're both very insightful, but how one of them's way more heartfelt, and the other one is just absurd and funny and biting. Um, they both have different lines involving the N-word that you want to say but can't. Or well, no, I can't. There, there's no line in blind spotting. It's just uh, these two friends. Like, uh, so uh, David Diggs and his, it's actually it's his child. It's a guy that he grew up with in Oakland. Is isn't the the white guy? It's about a white guy and a black guy in Oakland and just their life together. And these two people actually are friends and grew up together and got to write and make this movie together. And that's part of why it has so much heart. Is they obviously are, are connected. They're obviously friends. And there's a moment where David Diggs says to him, you know, how come how come you never say nigger to me? Like, why don't you ever do that uh and it's you know they're they're kind of at loggerheads about something it's a confrontational discussion uh and it's 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 a beautiful moment when the the, and what the white guys what his friend says to him and how they talk about it and how it makes david diggs feel that he's got this friend and there's this one weird little taboo thing between them um Uh. so but whereas what boots riley does in uh sorry to bother you is completely different uh and i I wish I could do that for you guys now, but I won't. So, well, then I get to see it in the movie. So in a way, you get to see it in the movie, too. and Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield Stanfield sells it way better than I do. Yeah. So, well, uh, shut also, up, fool. also, uh, if you guys like some Army Hammer, there's some really nice Army yeah. Hammer, and sorry to bother you, some of the best Army Hammer since Free Fire. So, really, yeah, that kind of character. Uh, you'll see. <laughs> All right, I'll watch it today. I have nothing better to do. All right, Dingus, what is your second favorite no. repeated? Kelly Wand, what is your second favorite repeated line in a movie? Oh, uh, 
Is it safe? I like it when Lawrence oh. Olivier says that a bunch of times. Yeah, because you don't know what it is the whole time. You're like, what? Right. And even and the, the context keeps changing. Yeah, because yeah. he doesn't even understand the context of it. He's going to say, "No, it's very, very dangerous," which has nothing yeah. to do. Like when you find and find out what Olivier is asking about. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly well, and it's also a guy getting ready to do dentistry, and someone saying that line over and over. Like it's and, and, exactly, and and waiting for the correct answer, and you have no yeah. idea what the correct answer is. There is, is no correct be. answer. Yeah. yeah. And then you, and then it's like you don't see the sequence, like what happens to him. And, like he's about to drill, and then it and then it cuts away. But then the next scene after that is Olivia coming out, and he he hurls the surgical mask off, like in disgust. He's all he doesn't know anything, and it's like he was super calm when we saw him last. So for him to be exasperated, he must have really gone in for a long time. <laughs> Jesus, wow! Like the the irritation in his face and the way he like gets rid of the mask. Like all right, so it wasn't just a couple minutes of drill. <laughs> And all nighter, like oh, right. He's giving it his best shot, and even then, yeah, yeah. like there's no way he could have done. There's no way he could have lied to us. Trust me. I spent as much time on him as I could. Well, he knew. He also knew. I mean, did you read the book? No. Should I? The movie was just so good. I'm like, well, it's weird to bring it up this week because you just read it. No, because William died. Well, you know, sad. But there is there is a he does a fairly um, detailed uh, description of what's going on with that particular tooth. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, ah, that's awesome. I'll read it. I mean, I I haven't read it in 25, 30 years. But But you remember remember this part. Oh, yeah, I I remember. Oh, yeah, the the tooth part. Yeah, like you're thinking about that paragraph. I'm thinking about the the fact that the the tooth had this particular abscess in it or whatever. I'm using the wrong Uh, But uh, but, That's the worst. It's so bad. But that he, he, having probed the guy's teeth, he understood this, that that, that there was this particular problem with this this man's tooth, and he went after this particular tooth for this particular reason. You know, something's bad when they take the nerve ending out as the treatment. We're going to take right. out your ability to feel what we're going to do. Uh, but yeah, wait. It's like, okay. Uh, now, thanks for telling me that the book's good. Uh, I really liked the book. I actually like a lot. I liked a lot of his books. Um, yeah, they're really good. Some, some of them are, are a little goofy, but uh, but I, I really like it. It's great, too. It's a great book. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's actually quite brilliant. It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's better than a movie. really nice layer to it, and he's got a really cool book called The Color of Light, uh, which again I haven't read in like twenty five years, but um, it's it's I think it's about a writer. Um, Did you uh, read his two screenwriting books? Like yeah, the, yeah, well, yeah, good. Which yeah. lie did I tell? And uh, the- well, I particularly loved his his adaptation. I think of a Stephen King uh, short story yeah. that he. Right. As a way, no, no, uh, no, within within uh, adventures in screenwriting, where he talks about how how uh, how the adaptation would work in Hollywood. Well, you know, it was a it was a heartbreakingly blue sky, and then the the cinematographer going, "How am I going to film a heartbreakingly blue blue sky?" Honestly, what do you what do you want? Uh, um, and and the way that you break down a script, you know, when you're doing an adaptation as opposed to the way you write your own script and, and the beats that you have to hit and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Marathon Man. It does – that particular line that you brought up makes me think of a, of a whole different movie that I'll bring up during Runners Up now. Uh, you, you, you reminded me of something completely different. Um, but I'm glad you brought him up because uh, I really do like William Goldman. 
Yeah, he kind of he short. I don't know. Like his later stuff wasn't as good. So he's one of those. No, he was falling Seven apart, years. but he was doing all you know. And misery's awesome. good. Misery's amazing. I mean, I really do love Misery, and I would give him more credit for that than I would give uh, Rob Reiner. Um, but uh, I really loved Misery. And this whole chapter was, I took the job because she cuts off his foot when they didn't want to do that in the movie. I got pissed off, but they were right. <laughs> yeah. He was wrong. That's funny, actually. Gold. All right. Dingus, what is your second favorite repeated line in a movie? All right, here's uh, my second favorite. Um, one ping only. <laughs> are they are all the same? Ones? Yeah, are they all? Okay. killer. So this is also from the Hunt for Red October. So I'm Jesus Christ. That. Uh, Hunt for Red October. Yeah. So it's one ping only. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Captain Marco Ramius again goes one ping only. And and uh, uh, his his first in command looks at him and goes one ping only please. Um, so I I just loved I loved uh, part of this is it, it, this is a little unfair because I because some of the things I love about Hunt for Red October I got from reading the book and I don't think Tom Clancy's a superlative writer um, but there are, are some of his books that I really did like and I loved reading Hunt for Red October even though you know I think one of the tag quotes or or pull quotes on the jacket of the book was from Ronald Reagan saying it's a great yarn as if Ronald Reagan read that book um, <laughs> it says that it's a great anything. yarn yeah uh, yarn. Uh, but I did love learning about submarine yarn. <laughs> uh, about submarine not just technology but submarine culture about the way things go and about the way things really happen uh, within a submarine and I talked about is somewhat on Hunter Killer, so I won't belabor it here. But the one ping only thing is really important because um, they they don't use active sonar in that way. What he's saying is by one ping only is that we are going to use active sonar to figure out what's going on ahead of us, and that gives our position away. Um, you know, it's like you know throwing a rock. In the Predator movie, and the Predator being able to go do 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 and figure out what the trajectory is, and oh, that's where the rock came from. I mean, the the one ping only thing um, is a way that the two sh- the, the 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 two boats are sending messages to each other, and it's in it's also the way that the two captains are um, establishing trust, and and he does this, you know, through Morse code. I mean, Bart Mancuso. Uh, <laughs> Captain Bart Mancuso is telling him, uh, well, through Jack Ryan, is saying, look, if 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 what I what I'm guessing is right, then verify it by doing by doing this thing that um, makes you vulnerable. Uh, and if I don't do anything, then we'll move on from there. And so he he does that, and everybody on his ship is like, not everybody. I mean. Some of the officers are in line with this, but they understand what's going on. So they're like, okay, but this still is against their culture. It's against not it's it's against submariner culture to do this. It's it's that's crazy. I mean, you're giving away our position. This is a terrible thing to do. So so he does it, and all right, once okay, fine, we did that, and then he says it again, one ping only, and everybody's like, 
again? Are you are you crazy? I mean, it, it's like a triangulation maneuver. And so he he does it again. And and there's a reason for that. It's it's because he's he's established trust. The guy says the guy returns his trust and then he confirms it. So it's, you know, it's establishment, it's return, and it's confirmation. And that's why the line is repeated. And that's why I loved it so much. All right, one ping only. Uh, My favorite repeated line in a movie is, he'd kill us if he had the chance. Oh, that's fine too, you fucker. Ah, I got there first. I was worried you were going to do that. (laughs) Of course I would. It's genius. I know, it really is. And especially too. That's my good one, yeah. Yeah, especially too, like the the way the inflection changes ultimately. He'd kill us if he had the chance. Diggis, do you know what this is? This might be too 70s for you. Say it the other way. He'd kill us if he had the chance. No, he'd, he'd, it the same way. No, here we go. He'd kill us if he had the chance. Right, right. That's what he originally hears. So uh, yeah. the conversation opens with Gene Hackman. He's been hired to uh, record a conversation of a young couple walking around a noisy town square. And oh. he's doing it with his team. And it's a, Francis Ford Coppola does this to create this this setting where you can get a kind of procedural for how you recorded com- a, a sound or specifically a conversation from a distance and ultimately Harry Call has to figure out how to pull the dialogue from the background noise and it's all very dated technology but back then that stuff was really compelling so he's Harry Call's professional guy he doesn't want to know why people are being surveilled it's, he doesn't care about any of that he just does the job uh, and he's super paranoid about but can he get the job that he he got the yeah. he's super paranoid about um, being surveilled himself like he's very jealous of his privacy and um, so he records a young couple Cindy Williams and I think it's Frederick Forrest Kelly one uh, is that right yeah and uh, they're they're talking about some plot where they're worried about being murdered and they're saying he'd kill us if he had the chance and apparently these people are having an affair and the man who has hired Harry Cole is probably plotting to murder them for the affair, and he's racked with with guilt. He's a very Catholic, devout man, and you know what does he do when he might get this young couple murdered? And that's Remember his girlfriend, Terry Gar. Yeah. Yeah, of course, right? I wanted you to say it. Oh, Terry Gar. Terry. Gar. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. He got um, her. That guy got that. I know, right? Well, that was the seventies for you, Kelly. One. That's like in. in and he uh, blows her off. He's like, oh, this right. That's like that. in French Connection. He leans out the windows. There's some hot chick, and he's like, uh, Miss, I want to ask you about your boots. And then the yeah. next scene, they're having, they're, they're in bed. They just had sex. I mean, that's but Gene that's Hackman. Doyle. Right. That's, that's yeah, that's real... Gene Hackman in the seventies. Yeah, got laid that easily, that regularly. Right. Yeah, that's Gene Hackman. <laughs> yeah, and apparently he found Harry Call Rick really challenging to play because he was way different from the character. And he was uh, like, he was really gregarious in this. Chicken. Oh right, right. Well, it's he is such a character. I mean, that's part of what makes the conversation yeah. work so well. But at any rate, so over the course of the movie, uh, he eventually realizes that what he heard, and this is a lot of what the movie is about, is you know, do you do you really hear things correctly when you're surveilling? Like, how important is context? What he originally heard was them plotting to kill her husband. The guy who got hired. He'd kill uh, us, you know. Exactly. He'd kill us if he had the chance. Like, he'd do it to us rather than he would kill us if he had the chance. So the, the movie is all about the evolution of that line and which word is emphasized and how he untangles it from the background noise and eventually how he untangles it from his own presuppositions about what it means and Probably reveals – 
Exactly. Well, I mean, Coppola cheats by by letting us hear what Harry Cole thinks he heard. He hears, right. Yeah, exactly. There are two different deliveries of the line that were yeah. that are played at different times. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Movie's genius. That's my favorite movie. Maybe. Mm. Solid choice. Wow. Okay. No. What? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I like the '70s too, Kelly Wand, but it's no jaw. I love that ending. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the oh, ending. It's... You're right. Yeah. The so. I, yeah. The ending. It, it, the boy, that ambiguity too at the ending too. Like yeah. what? Who? Night with his friends is good. Oh, yeah. It's all good. Yeah. There's no downtime, and that, that's the thing. Those movies don't exist anymore. <laughs> There's well, no the, modern the conversation. The, the '70s don't exist anymore, Kelly Wand. I know, and it's sad. And I don't, I don't, I kind of disagree when you say those movies don't exist anymore. What, what do you mean? Like yeah, just organic I, I, movies about guys who blow off Terry Gar's girlfriend, <laughs> get drug with some friends, talk shop, get weirded out, and misunderstand what Sidney Williams said. And uh, I don't know. I just don't see it. Like it would be too uh, telegraphed. And look too good. Like, it would just be really processed. And there would uh, be way more... He'd be more... If they made the conversation now, it would be more about all the cool shit he can do with his audio technology, which is kind of what the conversation is a little bit, but it would be more like, check out how cool these beats are. Well, that's like, that... Uh, is DJ. it That Tony Scott one where uh, uh, Gene Hackman and... Is it Will Smith? Where Gene Hackman... Yeah, the state. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's what the conversation is. Right, right. Art. Well, so that's an interesting exercise, Kelly Wan. It's how we got the whole Harrison Ford, Dwayne Johnson thing going, is what would be... What would be the equivalent of the conversation Modern. today? And I'm I'm convinced there is something. I mean, I would I'd have to give it some thought. But I don't think it's that they don't make movies like that anymore. I think it's just movies like that are are, are different. Uh, well, I but, think movies are a product of their times. And in the conversation, right. isn't Harrison Ford in that too? By the way, well, he's the isn't he the boss? The guy who yeah. hires? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and who gets murdered? Was, doesn't yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, here's the thing. That movie it was like a that's when America's really into conspiracies and cover-ups. Right. And now there's no there's not even a cover-up. Like they just do shit in the open, and then people still like, oh, cool. Like the I, I idea that well, you would need to cover up a murder as opposed to just uh, you know do it in public. <laughs> Murder's still illegal, Kelly Wand. Barely, barely, <laughs> barely illegal. <laughs> All right, anyway. so uh, those yes. are, Kelly Wand, I scooped you on your number one. I was so I was I was kind of thinking, okay, but there's maybe like a thirty percent chance Kelly Wand didn't think of it, but no. if he did, that, I'm sure he picked it. Yeah. Another thing that's different that you wouldn't have today is like, it's all about Gene Hackman's character. He doesn't have like a young protege conversation person. Like, well, he does, but he's kind of a jerk. You know, that would to happen him. now. Uh, yeah, yeah oh, right, right. That right. wouldn't happen now either. It would be all yeah. about that guy. Like, yeah, he's gonna. It'd be like uh, the mechanic. Isn't it like Bruno Kirby or someone too, where he's telling him don't cut, like don't swear, don't take the Lord's name in vain? Who is his yeah. assistant in that in the conversation? Might be Bruno Kirby. Is it John right Cazal? Is it too? John Cazal? Isn't it? Is it? God, is, isn't he in the conversation? Like that's this whole deal. Is that he was in three brilliant movies? He was in yeah, he's in... every movie he was in was nominated for Best Picture, wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Talk about I thought, ending on I thought a... he was in the conversation. I could be wrong about that. But all right, so Kelly Wand and I in the seventies, Dingus. I'm guessing I can predict. Yeah, that... you're right. About John Cazale. Yeah. Yeah, because that because it like John Cazale at one point says like Jesus Christ, and he's genuinely mad. Harry calls like, "Don't take the Lord's name in vain." Yeah. <laughs> like that's it's like what his boss tells him. That's another 70s. thing that wouldn't happen now. Uh, right, a devout Catholic, exactly, Kelly. Yeah, Hand. you yeah. don't have those. You don't have devout Catholic uh, sound designers. Did you see First that's Reformed? So, 
No. So Paul Schrader, that... Paul Schrader made a beautiful movie about a devout Catholic, and then he decided it needed to be Taxi Driver, and it stank. Uh, Ethan Hawke in First Reformed is uh, like I love how it. I love how respectful it is of Catholicism, but Paul Schrader just can't maintain it, and he he has to be Paul Schrader before it's over, and the whole thing is just like bleh. But, uh, uh, yeah. All right. At any rate, so Dingus, oh, I'm so proud of that. Of what? Of First Reformed when they were marketing it, or when they, they should were... have been. Yeah. Schrader's back with his going to his roots. Well, it, no, Traffic unfortunately, the, the problem with roots. it is it is that he goes to his roots, but the opening of right. Of first reform, actually not the opening. The first, you know, eighty percent of it is just some amazing stuff. Uh, oh. It's it just beautifully written, and the way Ethan Hawke uh, just really tackles it. And there's some great. You can't say this about many movies, but there's some really great, just compelling, philosophical discussions. Um, I, I think it's one of Paul Schrader. You're making it sound good. You like? No, it's really good, but it's it just Paul Schrader just day. can't keep his Schrader-esque fingers off of the end of it. I mean, I'm just so. I'm, I, so, so here's here's the thing. Any movie about a priest will invariably any movie that that's about a priest that doesn't eventually come down to the priest uh, wanting to fuck someone, whether it's Ugh. a boy or a woman. That's what all movies about Catholicism have to come down to, and I find it just really glib uh, that that's what Hollywood thinks that the priests are all about. Uh, and and so you know, eighty percent of First Reformed is is not that. Eighty percent of First Reformed is a really cool, thoughtful portrait of what it means to be religious in the modern world. But nope, Paul Schrader's like, oh, he's like, eh, his, his downfall is, oh, he wants to fuck someone. Well, uh, is is that a reveal? Uh, because no, it's a well. I mean, go that's ahead. part of the human condition, and and that's not an unreasonable thing to right. talk about as far as priests are concerned and right. celibacy is concerned. It's more of a narrative, like I'm thinking, that just seems like the natural inclination of the screen. It's a, it's a, like I don't have conflict. Or God of God. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah. it's a, it's a cheap go-to for a crisis of faith. It's an easy out. Yeah, it's oh, an easy out, and I, and I think it's partly too to make it relatable to those of us who aren't devoutly religious. Because right. when you have an actual crisis of faith about a devoutly religious character, it's something that a lot of us secular people, I'm not religious, can't really identify with or don't understand or won't make sense in an easy movie. Uh, like it's, I like it's, the Pillars of the Earth where the guy, the monk, just doesn't care about sex. He's just <laughs> and he's not gay. He's just like, yeah, I just have other things. Right. Do right. you have a Crisis of Faith movie that gets it right then as far as that's concerned? Oh, well, well Meryl Streep in Doubt, for instance. Like that, that I think, is a oh, – okay. you know, we talked about that before. That in as far soap. as – Soap? What? Yeah, the TV show Soap. Oh, Kelly Wan, this is not a TV show podcast. Oh, uh, Soap. <laughs> Father Flotsky. But it deals with sex as well. Well, no, no, no Meryl Streep's uh, doubt, like her crisis of faith, is did yeah. she do the right thing? You know, how certain is she, and how that's a kind of a that's a metaphor for for religious faith. Um, how certain can you be? One senior. Yeah. But but yeah, so dig and also I don't like it, it doesn't. We don't necessarily know that that's something that Philip Seymour Hoffman struggled with, that that was a facet of his character or not, in right, doubt. Right. And we're not supposed to know because it's from Meryl Streep's uh, character's uh, perspective. But it's, um, it's, it's her suspicion or concern. Right, right. 
but it's not the, the standard thing where the priest is a, a devout Christian, and, but he secretly really wants to fuck someone, where, or or he's a, or he's gay and he loves, or he's a pedophile, or, or something like that. It's got to be some lurid sexual thing to make it interesting to see the average viewer. I'm an atheist, and I don't like that e- either because I'm always thinking, you didn't think this through, character. You're a dumbass. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. I would have yeah. assumed you just were. You felt like, yeah, I'm not. I could. I don't know. Like suddenly now you're. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, uh, Calvary, the the Brendan Gleeson yeah. thing, oh. uh, also very good. You know, it's not he, he. There's some I seem to recall some lovely young ladies in it, and the movie is not about how he wants to fuck them. Um, yeah, I'm not interested. That's why he told me not to watch it either. Well, is that is Calvary related to it, Bruce at all? Uh, it's his brother. It's a it's his Neil, brother. Okay, Don. It's uh, his geography uh, trilogy. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of the McDonough brothers. Yeah, all right. Not because the because of course the inciting incident, which happens you know before the movie, uh, is it deals with the priest and the little kid, you know. But it's not it's not. But it's not about way. that priest, right? Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a corporate responsibility uh, kind of setup. Uh, right. Is he's angry at all Catholic Catholicism and uh, right. for vendetta they get into this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dingus, I think I know what your number one pick is, but why don't you give us a line from uh, it? Which sub movie? All right, here it is. I strenuously object. Is that how? Is that how that works? Objection overruled. No, I strenuously object. Well, if you strenuously object, uh, then I should reconsider. A <laughs> uh, uh, few good men. Yeah. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, I did. I, I was kidding. No, it is a few good men. Okay. Yes, it is. It has to uh, be. An I'm adverb. I'm, yeah, yes. I, I love I love this bit of uh, dialogue. I know it's 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 probably too cute by half, um, but I'm a huge fan of Aaron Sorkin with all of his flaws. Um, and for some reason, I was watching Sports Night and. Uh, so I was dropping in to watch uh, some bits of A Few Good Men, and I have a couple of friends that uh, online that um, that I'm playing a couple of word games with. That when somebody says something, we say we strenu- we strenuously object. It's hard to say that out loud, but I just love that that Kevin Pollock bit, uh, mainly because I love Tom Cruise's reaction to it. But uh, but so so. You know, they're in this uh, courtroom and Demi Moore's character, who's not used to being in the courtroom and and really wants to graduate to that level, objects to what to the judge's ruling. And the judge says overruled. And then she says, we strenuously object. And the judge then. No, that's not what you do. And then after they're after the day is done, uh, as they're packing up their things at the desk, um, Kevin Pollack, who is uh, the next counsel over, so Tom Cruise is the lead, lead counsel, and then Demi Moore, and then Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack says, I strenuously object. Really? Is that is that how this works? I strenuously object. Uh, objection overruled. I strenuously object. Is that how this works? Objection overruled. No, I strenuously – oh, well, if you strenuously object, then I should reconsider. And Strenuously overruled. And – and what Tom Cruise kind of does, he does this really wonderful little thing where he basically just says, let, let it go. And he does it in a little way. He just says, just come on, let it go. 
uh, he understands that she made a mistake that that she's not used to being in this situation. She overreacted, and Kevin Pollack, who should by rights be in that position, or or should be in the position of of uh, being higher up than she is, uh, he's belittling her in this moment, in a moment where she already feels entirely belittled. And Tom Cruise is just saying, just let it go. She made a mistake. Come on. And I really love that little moment. I, there are these little touches that Aaron Sorkin does that, that I'm really nuts about. And this I strenuously object is one of my favorites. All right. A few good men. Dingus, how about that uh, you can't handle the truth line, though? Um, wait, is that in this movie? It's a way better line. Huh. If you'd said it twice, you should have picked that. But I think he only said uh, it once. I do. I we really just hear like, it every day. I, I was thinking the other day as I was driving, I was thinking of the way that Jack Nicholson says, this is funny. I mean, he, he talks about what's going on as he's on the stand as it being funny. But he says angrily. the word. Yeah, he says the word funny angrily. He, he has this punch, punch to it. Like, this is funny. Hilarious. Like, like it's it's. And I and I was as I was driving, I was wondering, is Aaron Sorkin thinking? No, that's not how I meant the line to sound, but it it sounds right based on that on the way that Jack Nicholson is pa- playing the character. It's not funny as in funny. It's funny as in absurd or or angering or or horrific. It's it's that kind of. This is funny. I'm out of here. This is this is funny in that it this is going this could destroy people's lives. Funny. Um, I love the way he says the word funny in that. This is funny. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I, I just I, – I have a lot of uh, Sorkin dialogue floating through my head from time to time. Uh, Dingus, what, <laughs> what are Sorry, some picturing that. listener yeah. submissions for their favorite repeated lines? What's floating or, through the listeners' heads? Yeah. All right, so we have Dave Perkins. Hello, gentlemen. I decided to go with the theme of all of my examples being from the same motion picture. Uh, See, I almost did that. but I feeling about this. I failed at mine because the, the last two examples I had from Hunt for October didn't work because there was a, there was a word that was misplaced. Oh, uh, fuck that movie. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. So he says, um, see if you can guess the picture. Dave Perkins. What are we, three great. years old? What is this? Yes. Kindergarten? I know. Who would want somebody to guess? I want to guess a picture. Okay. Uh, so, Dave Perkins number three is, I'm just not sure that's Pete. And then he oh, gets me a wait. parenthetical that says, pause here to get see if they can guess the picture. I'm just not sure that's Pete. And someone says it again. Just not sure that's Pete. He says someone says that again. Apparently, yeah. Do either of you know? I don't think I do. I haven't right. seen it. Here's the second one. Damien Omen 2. And then the follow-up lines. No, it's Damien. No? Okay. Give me another one. All right, his second one. Damn. Damn, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> someone says that more than once in the same movie? I don't believe a word of this. All right. <laughs> you guys don't know. Have you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to guess, damn, we're in a tight spot. All right. Uh, so number one. We thought you was 
A toad. That's only said once, though. Oh, no, he does whisper it again. Okay, fair enough. Oh, and oh, Dave, uh, brother, Dave, oh, Dave gives me stage directions. This is great. Pause between each word, and then a hoarse whisper say, What? And then repeat the line. All right, let me do right. that. Okay. We thought you was a toad. What? We thought you was a toad. Do you guys know what movie this is? Oh, yeah. This is an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> right, we'll say it, Tom. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? I could tell you were kind of doing like a, a redneck corn pone thing early, so I was wondering if maybe that's what it was. But I don't, what were the other those first two lines? Uh... I'm just not sure that's Pete. I don't remember that line. Okay, what was the second one? Somewhat, they said that more than once. Damn, we're in a tight spot. I thought it was boys were in a tight spot, but Dave says it's damn we're in a tight spot. Okay. What are the different? We're, we're in a tight spot. That's when they're uh, in. Is it when they're in the barn or when they're in the train? So many tight spots. Is it probably the same in the character? barn? <laughs> when the when the barn is on fire, we're in a tight spot. Uh, I don't remember. I haven't seen this movie in forever. I, I, I was either. talking. To, I was talking to my brother about this movie, uh, just a little bit. My brother's in town uh, because uh, we both love the music from this movie so much, um, and uh, I couldn't quite get um, Man of Constant Sorrow uh, to catch on with my kid, uh, the Dan Tavinsky. He does a, an, a, a, a he does a live version of it with Alison Krauss that's really wonderful. Um, and I couldn't quite get it to catch. I like that song where they're stealing a pie, and it's all la 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 la. Remember that part? <laughs> it's not one of the ones. I like your sing. rendition of the music. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Kelly Wan. It's all uh, film composer. It's all happy all right. go lucky. <laughs> so we have Daniel Ebert. Uh, hey fellas, I tried to pick movies where the repeated lines were integral to the. Viewer's understanding of a character's mindset. Uh, Number one, choice. don't put it in your pocket. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, of course. No, no, no. No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yes, it's No Country for Old Men. Don't. Uh, how he would you? Say how, can you do his accent? I, it's No, it's not of this earth. <laughs> no one could do that accent yeah. except that. That's pretty good. I don't think you can, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's your lucky quarter. Anton Chigurh tells the man at the gas station who has not understood the gravity of the exchange he is having, he has to repeat the line to make sure the quarter is kept aside as a remembrance of the most important conversation of the man's life. I, I love the way he punches. I, I, as I, if I remember it, I'm going to have to watch this again now. Um, the way he punches the T on pocket. Yeah. And really, angrily. Like warningly, like it's your pocket. No, I am. It's just—it's just precise. Don't put it in your pocket. I like it when other characters keep saying to him, "You uh, don't have to do this," and then he gets sick of them saying it. Like, "You're awesome." Oh right, yeah, yeah. So uh, Daniel Ebert's number two, an unmuddled lake, sir, as clear as an azure sky of deepest summer. Clock you can orange. rely on me. How do you orange. know that? Clockwork Orange, Clockwork Orange. Uh, how do I know? I mean, I don't know. There's, I can just Malcolm McDowell's just so snide with that line. I mean, that's how can that not stick in your head? 
I just, I've only seen that movie once. I, I don't. It's not for you. It's not for you, Dingus. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not. Yeah, he's not a Dingus director. Um, Alex recites this line both to his school headmaster at the beginning of the movie mm. and to the government official at the end of the movie. Huh. He promises there will be no more misdeeds, which does not convince. Uh, and number he's watching three, the wrong music video in his head for that. <laughs> <laughs> number three, I would definitely recognize, and I think you will too, remember Sammy Jankus. Yeah, sure. Kelly Wan, do you know that one? With Nail and I? Oh, Kelly Wand. Oh, you. It's Remember because Sam you don't Sam. appreciate Interstellar. Oh. What? I can't believe that. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel, for giving him an opportunity to say that. Uh, so Leonard has uh, this is memento. Uh, Leonard has this phrase tattooed on his wrist and is the first domino uh, that triggers the partial return of his memories after a bout of amnesia. I really thought it was from Interstellar. Great choices. <laughs> <laughs> Which character is Sam Jenkins? That was uh, Dan Ebert. What was his name, Dingus? Daniel Daniel Ebert. Ebert. Daniel Ebert. Very nice, Daniel. Okay. So the character, is it Stephen Tobolowsky who plays it? Uh, Yes. Uh, Yes, definitely. From, uh, yeah, like uh, uh, Silicon Valley, Stephen Tobolowsky. One of those yeses sounded correct. (laughs) Well, I, I used to confuse him, not with Vincent Schiavelli. Like, there's someone else... Maybe it was Jeffrey Tambor before he became super famous. But there's that whole category of like balding middle-aged white actors. It's definitely uh, not with Jeffrey pleasant Tambor, faces. Right? right no, no, I know, no. It's definitely that's what I had to think of. Is that I used to oh, confuse okay. them. They used to all be in the same category until they right. differentiated themselves with things like Arrested Development and Memento and Silicon Valley. And uh, I guess Vincent Cavalli died though, so he doesn't really count. I get uh, Mark Strong mixed up with Chris Pine. <sighs> One of them's English, Kelly Wand. I know. That's what my mom keeps telling me. That's smart. Michael Hopkins. Chris Pine's English. He's Australian. Yeah. Oh. Boy. Yeah, he's okay. uh, he's the brother of Chris Hemsworth. Michael Hopkins says, "I just finished watching 22 July on your recommendation." Oh, okay. I'm not. Oh, I guess I did recommend it. All right. I really enjoyed it. The line. You okay? Is first said by the older brother to the younger brother, and then said by the younger brother to the older brother. Oh, that's. I have no idea if this is the kind of email you're looking for. That's kind of heart wrenching. When you, yeah, in the context of that, yeah, that's. um, I love the relationship between the two brothers. I don't know how fictional that was, but uh, yeah, that's that's a beautiful moment. So, uh, in sad. uh, in answer to your query, Michael, yes, this is the kind of email we're looking for. Yeah, sad. Next, we have an email from a f- fella named Bruce Garrick. Oh! <laughs> hey, Bruce, did you read um, Rogue Mail by Jeffrey Hussle? <laughs> okay, back to what you dig us was saying. <laughs> hey, Bruce, how about not sending me a word of text next time, you jerk? Uh, Love... I'm- I'm sure there are plenty of movies where everybody wants some. So much Uh, that Loki says things twice or Jabba the Wookiee says something profound so that Admiral... Do I have to read this whole thing? So that Admiral Akbar can repeat it back and make the fans cheer that much louder. But the only thing I have for you this time is from Andrew... That one trolls like a brain cell. Let me me guess. It's it's Solaris. It's Andrew Tarkovsky's 
The Sacrifice. The Sacrifice. Okay, it was going to be either uh, that or, or The Sacrifice. All right. Which, as movie fans, you know, is the greatest film ever made. <laughs> Erland Johansson uh-huh. plays a former Shakespearean actor anime. and aesthetics professor who lives in Sweden and has uh. a son who has an operation on his throat and can't speak until his throat heals. Josephson goes on an extended monologue while the kid runs around doing kid stuff. <laughs> At one point... It sounds Graham. like a scene in Close Encounters with, yeah. with his family in the background. All right. At one point, he tells his son, in the beginning, there was the word, but you are mute, mute as a fish. He then goes on a long monologue about how he and his wife found the house they are living in and also that humanity is savage. The kid wanders away while Josephson keeps talking to himself, then notices that the kid is missing, and for some reason, kneels down to look for him. The kid runs up behind him, so he punches the kid in the face and makes him uh, You know what? You gotta teach him somehow. Then, run, World War III, then World War III happens. Right. Because of that? This Your is, mutinous is a fish! I don't know if this is a treatment of screenplays. I have no idea. So then World War III happens. Right. This is starting to sound like an opsis. They set that up. The movie yeah. goes on to postulate that one person's sacrifice can save humanity. Uh, At the end of the movie, the last line belongs to the kid who is now speaking. In his first and last line in the, in the film, and is said off screen, he says, In the beginning there was the word. Why is that, Papa? I think that in the context of the movie, this is the greatest repeated line of all time. Why unless, is that, Papa? Unless Batman or Frodo said something better, I guess. Uh, I know which one I am. I think Bruce Garrick just needs to see Wrong Cops. Yeah. I would love to make him watch that and watch him watch that. Of all the people to try and uh, push Russians down our throat. I think he needs to see <laughs> Conservative Wrong Conservative Bruce Garrick. <laughs> Outrageous. Next, we have Brian Becker. Hey, guys. <laughs> Clue. Throughout the movie, every time a character gives a line of exposition... I thought that was the line. I was trying to guess. All right, a different on. character will reply, Too late! Which makes this gag work. And what makes a lot of the gags in this movie work is the buildup. While the first iteration is a character speaking under his breath... The last has the entire cast screaming it at Tim Curry for taking a full ten minutes to give up the denouement. 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 Very funny. Number two. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think of this one. Brian. Edge of Tomorrow. Ah, uh, that's a good one. See? Think about uh, it. A movie about the same day gives plenty of opportunities for repeated lines. But the uh, one line that sticks out to me is something that Bill Paxton's gruff sergeant character... It's a Lulu! Paxton oh. catches his unit gambling and makes them eat, each eat a card and give a rehearsed speech about how only they control their fate. You might call that notion... Um, yeah, I'm going to do it in a Cockney accent. That's a great idea. You might call that notion like ironic, but trust me, you'll come around. The first time, the irony comes from watching someone being ordered to believe in free will. The second time is dramatic irony as the audience and Tom Cruise recognizes his groundhog powers, 
means he actually does control his fate, settling the rest of the movie in motion. Groundhog and powers. theirs, too. Yeah. His groundhog powers. So he, Brian, Brian calls yeah. them his groundhog powers. I no, I love that, yeah. Uh, it's a power that's a curse. It's way better than anything one, that was written in the movie. Oh! I, I don't think you guys know Brian Becker's number one. I don't know if you've seen this. The Conversation. Uh-huh. Gene What's Hackman's, the line? Gene Hackman's professional surveillance. It's the. Uh-huh. Gene Hackman's professional surveillance expert becomes obsessed with a phrase he records on a job. He'd kill us if he got the chance. Where the line dramatically changes meaning on the basis of emphasis where he can't be sure if the speaker, listener, or his client is the one in danger. I blame and, the boyfriend for not saying, oh, you mean he'd kill us? <laughs> response to her. But anyway. I love that Brian Becker ends his email with, I wasn't even supposed to be writing emails today. Huh. What's that from? Uh, it's from You Got Mail. Ah, uh, I like you. It's you've... Uh, so Randy Connell. Um, hope this makes it in time. Have some candy. This is from Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> have yeah. you guys seen that? No, no. I've not. Yeah, I don't. I don't watch cartoons. Think it's go, I'm, eh. I'm not. Love I'm you. not 12 years old anymore. Why would I watch cartoons? Unless it's Inside Out or uh, Incredibles 2. Those are animated Shrek, movies, Kelly Wan. Trek Forever After is really good. All right, now I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna go watch Wreck-It Ralph now. Incredibles two has a good motorcycle chase. I just wanted to point out. Listen to yourself. <laughs> Wreck-It Ralph has a really cool platformer. So have some candy. This line is repeated three times by the character King Candy, each with a notably different delivery. Huh. And so Randy Connell's or Randy Connelly's uh, second choice is no. No, 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 no. Is it that now? And or is it... Randy Connelly says that this is almost any movie starring Shia LaBeouf. Usually delivered as no, 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 no. <laughs> That's a LaBeouf thing? I didn't realize that was yeah. a LaBeoufism. That was Tracy Morgan thing. <laughs> well, right. Randy Connelly. Which, which, which when Shia LaBeouf say no a bunch of times? Crystal Skull? Transformers? No. 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 Shia LaBeouf says no to things. No. Nymphomaniac, part one. When Megan Fox tries to have sex with him. Oh, I hope Randy Canelli writes in and just tears you apart. This is when Shia LaBeouf said no. From what? I don't know. But I oh, I thought you stuff. knew. I thought you were agreeing with him. Like, no, my favorite remember line the is classic new. Shia LaBeouf no. Is no is new the past tense of no? My brother used to think snoo was a word <laughs> for kids. And I go, no, it snowed. Yeah, it's it all... <laughs> and I was all, you're an idiot. But I was secretly thinking, I get what he, why he thinks that. <laughs> I gotta give him the satisfaction of thinking as a word bird. Because new English is stupid. <laughs> we're stupid monkeys. Aren't we? Groundhog Power. Z. All right, so next we have Josh Lovelinner. Ah. Most months I have trouble coming up with three entries, but this time I had trouble cutting it down to three. Ah. Number three. First world problems. Number three. It's a moral imperative. Uh, Early in real genius. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right. Val Kilmer explains to a 14-year-old college freshman Mitch that revenge is better than quitting using this line. Later, Mitch uses it back to him to encourage him to get revenge on Will- William Atherton. I rewatched this recently. It totally holds up. You should watch it, too. It's a moral imperative. Uh, I feel like I, I actually, know it too well already. I actually love this movie so much. Really? Still? Or like it? As, well, I just as a I memory. Felt, I I like the the line where she tells him that. The thing I don't like driving. movies with boring main characters. It should just be about a Val Kilmer character. He's the he's the money. I want to watch the androgynous. You don't person. like all the ancillary. Well, that's what the Seinfeld. Animal movie. House doesn't give us any. Caddyshack did. Caddyshack gave us Danny. There's a guy who lives under the dorm and everything. I mean, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah, and then he gets redeemed. Boring. He gets a girlfriend. Boring. All right, whatever. Real genius. All right, Josh Lubliner's Stop number liking two <laughs> is, you know, for kids. That was good. Norval Barnes is constantly showing his drawing of his invention to anyone who will look. Since it's just a circle drawn on a piece of paper, everyone looks at him quizzically, and he just says, you know, for kids. Remember when like the guy's holding it upside down, and then he turns it Okay. Um, of course, eventually we discover that the, is the plans for the extruded plastic, whatchamacallit. The extruded plastic thingy, all right, Josh, you jerk, you're such a jerk, Josh. The extruded plastic thingy is a big hit, leading to two other inventions with the same drawing. The bendable drinking straw, and at the end, a new improved extruded plastic doohiggy, the frisbee. Oh, um... This is from the Hudsucker Proxy, but uh-huh. you need that dingus. The blueprints say the extruded plastic dingus. Uh. <sighs> Josh. All right, so I Josh can't tell what five. you're embellishing. I'm not em- – well, I'm sorry. I, I should change voices. Uh, no, I want to I not know. Uh, number was... one for Josh Lubliner is you see I've got this condition. Oh, how interesting. We have a different line from poor Leonard in Memento. Keeps explaining his condition to everyone, but he has to keep repeating it because, you see, he's got this condition, which he has to keep explaining it to everyone because, you see, he's got this condition. All right. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he always leads with you see. And he says... Uh, it would be cheating to try to fit in more than three, so until next month, it's all in the reflexes. I am Groot. Oh, all right. I'm not going to read all those, Josh. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Arthur Giovangeli. Number three, Michael Clayton. Tom Wilkinson says, I am Shiva, god of death, early in the movie, and Clooney later says it after he has caught, cornered Tilda Swinton. Uh-huh. Arthur's number two, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> Sorry to do this to you. But I must pick the line, you can be mad as a mad dog at the way things went. You could swear, curse the fates, but when it comes to the end, you have to let go. Jared Harris says this line when he's about to perish on his boast, and <laughs> Pitt says it later when he forgives his father. The whole thing? Apparently. That's a <laughs> he kept it point. in his mo- mind? Though? Well, I guess his mind's getting better because it's getting younger. Uh, number one of Arthur's is uh, Inception. The line, an old man filled with regret waiting to die alone. 
is said three times in the movie. First, when Watanabe is trying to convince DiCaprio to perform the Inception. Second, after Watanabe is shot. And the third, when Watanabe and DiCaprio resolve to get out of limbo. Hey, what if it... What if From it the Benjamin... director of Interstellar. <laughs> it's one of his minor works, right. But it's got almost the same title. Uh, Arthur's runner-up is from a movie called Avatar, and it's a line, Oh, God. I see you. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, 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 we have a listener named Nick D. Uh, says, hi, guys. Since the moment when President Bartlett puts his hands in his pockets pockets and looks away and smiles isn't a line here are my top three picks <laughs> uh, number three american psycho american psycho all right patrick bateman can't relate to other people so whenever he gets uncomfortable he gets up and leaves his excuse i have to return some videotapes oh i still use that one which he says at least three times none of them appropriate yeah. to the situation uh number two miller's crossing Look in your heart. Uh, John Turturro uh, falls to his knees and begs for his life, and Gabriel Byrne shows Mercy. Uh, we think maybe this guy has a soft streak. Of course, at the end, we realize that Mercy was all an act when, once again, John Turturro begs him, look in your heart. And, ba- and Gabriel, ba- Gabriel Byrne replies, what heart? And kills him. And number one, oh, very nice. Uh, Nick D says, Hannah. The line is, I just missed your heart. Uh, that's good. Hannah first said the line in the middle in the opening scene after killing a deer, doing what she was trained to do. She repeats it in the final scene when she gives Kate Blanchett the same treatment. To me, the line represents the fact that despite going through a gauntlet, she has managed to stay true to who she is. How do you guys interpret it? Well, you'll have to listen to uh, us talk about that on another podcast. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> unless you, unless Tom, I mean, oh, one of Tom's favorite movies. If Tom wants to talk about it, uh, I think it's that. Uh, no, I'll accept that. I mean, it, it, it's it's a literal reading with the the elk, uh, and I think it's an emotional reading with Melissa Rickler at the end. Ah, uh, you remember her name? Come on, she gets, that's a great name. She has a one of the things you see at the end is a reveal that she's got a, a monogrammed gun. Uh, like that she's that kind of person. That's uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I have a fork. <laughs> um. Hey, what if Benjamin Button's memory was also backwards, and so he only remembers stuff that was about to happen, but he forgot everything older before him. Cool, huh? Did your listeners write in about that? You should probably copyright that. Uh, no. Next, Thanks, though. Our next listener is Chris Webb. Oh. Here's one that ideally Kelly Wand would read because Bai Ling is one of the people to say it. Pimps don't commit suicide. <laughs> wait. Okay. It's, oh, wait. Continue. It's from Southland Tales. Oh, I thought it was from Craig High Voltage. It's just something she says. But go on. I was Sorry to, to tell you what I was thinking stupidly. Please that was supposed to be a Tom groan pause. Right. It's, it's from Southland Diggle. Tales. I don't groan. I enjoy that stuff. You're the one that groans, Dingus. I love Kelly Wan's Bay Ling. Yeah. Tom no, I think, he was one, I think he was thinking you would groan at the idea of Southland Tales. 
Oh, uh, it's no uh, Samantha Darko. I'll give it that. Oh, oh that exists. Yeah. Oh God, it's horrible. <laughs> I don't think he had anything to do with it, though. It was just. I know. I read that, but I was. Yeah. It's called that. Yep. Or it might be. I think it's actually called S. Darko. You're just supposed to figure out her name is Samantha. Is it? What's her name? Maggie. No, it's um. Oh shoot! It is some young actress though who uh, is pretty terrible in it. Actually, her sidekick, her like sassy slutty friend—I forget who that is. She was really good. It might have been like Brianna Evigan or something. Um, really? Yeah, the sequel to Donnie Darko is. Uh, yeah, but there's no reason. To Why would you want to sequelize it if you weren't Richard Kelly? I don't understand. Like it would be just like yeah. Well, I, I, I know what happens issues? next. I'm sure the the you know he got paid to do it. It is Brianna. No, he didn't wasn't associated. That was that's another weird thing about it. Is that Richard Kelly's? But did it, what, what's the connective tissue between between the two besides the word tart, dark? Oh, it's about his little sister growing up, and apparently she's inherited some of his ability to have premonitions about the end of the world. But I mean, production wise, is there connective tissue? I mean, is there... Well, the, the same studio. I mean, the same. Uh, and it's you know, he gets a credit for you know the story or characters by or whatever. Um, but it's a it's a bona fide sequel to Donnie Darko that got made. He gets not... what John Forsyth gets for the Charlie's Angels movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not same director or same writer. Or anything. Oh, good lord, no, no. And it's like Kelly's saying, it's it's awful too. It's clear. I mean, even even Richard Kelly's, he did that horrible thing about that. Uh, Parable. What if someone gave you a button and you could press it and it would kill someone? I was trying box? to watch that. The box. The yeah. box, right? I can't like, get through it. It's no, he's. I mean, yeah, Richard Kelly when he's awful is awful, but uh, it, oh. as Darko is CG water in that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's this weird abyss that. Yeah, and Frank Mars, Langella. There's a bar. Yeah, right, I can't. Right. It's incomprehensible. Yeah. So Southland said a word of it. Southland Tales isn't that level of of bad. So I, I kind of like Southland Tales just for its ambition and uh, it's got some good. William Sean Scott Penn in it. Shoot, what? Did you watch Goon well, Last of the Enforcers yet? It, I have it's not. Inter- it's interesting that you say that because um, uh, Chris Chris Webb says that it's from Southland Tales, and the other sayers of the line were well, William Johnson. Sean. Oh, William Sean Scott Grace Moritz. <laughs> yeah. And one Dwayne. Yeah. Rocky Malvia Johnson. Because he's uh, really funny in it. Like, he's doing funny stuff. It's like Dwayne Johnson. I think previously he'd sort of just been badass guy, and in Southland Tales he gets – maybe I'm wrong about that. But I remember watching Southland Tales and thinking, yeah, this guy's really funny. He's uh, Tom's Creed. <laughs> what? Well, what's the, what's the line that Chris Webb is saying? What's the line Chris – oh. That Chris uh, Webb saying is repeated? Pimps don't commit suicide. White man! <laughs> That's how I heard it. Oh, yeah, sorry. I bet you did. All I right, hear so everything screamed in my head. We have a first-time writer in her named Chris Markertson who uh, says, Hey, guys, here's some lines I like. Number three. <laughs> was I rushing or dragging? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not, my tempo. Not my That's tempo. Not my tempo. Oh, That whole sequence is great. Yeah, and that's great for rep- repetition because of uh, oh yeah that's a that's a that's a it's a great line, line even just like to even hear it once was I rushing or dragging yeah <laughs> in Whiplash J K Simmons takes a more hands on approach to helping Miles Teller 
figure out if he was rushing or dragging. Simmons has to ask twice before Teller figures out that he was rushing. Yeah. I didn't uh, know. I felt like Miles Teller. What the fuck's he <laughs> want from me? <laughs> Terrifying. But... I mean, but also, there, I mean, there's the, the repeated line, not my tempo. See, it's a horror movie if you don't know anything yeah. about jazz. You just go in and you're like, oh, <laughs> I'd be so screwed in this class. Speaking of horror movies, number two, open the pod bay door, please, Hal. That guy just died. Pretty, uh, Leia topical. just died? No, uh, the computer. Douglas Rain. Rain. Yeah. Oh, Douglas Rain. Nothing happens in threes. It's like seven people. Stand like a whole bunch of people just died. That's a stupid rule. We got to get rid of the threes rule, Fingus. Get on that. What were you saying? Maybe it's just by a factor of three. Go ahead and do the math. All right. In In Douglas Rain's voice. Bowman repeats quite a few lines during the sequence, but I'm choosing his first two lines when the true enormity of a situation is revealed to him. Yeah. That's when he says he's fucked to do some number one i am sure that someone has mentioned this one before you are incorrect chris because i relied upon you to mention it um i'm sure someone has mentioned this before but the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one don't uh how dare you i thought that was gonna be on your three this almost it almost is because now you're saying it Ugh. all right Stupid Shatner. All right, continue. <laughs> we got ah. to have a discussion tonight at dinner with a guy who uh, worked on the soundtrack, who was a, a musician on the soundtrack for well, be nice Star Trek IV. And stuff. Oh. And, ah. uh, yeah, oh, he's, uh, it, was, it, was great. it was a great discussion. Uh, but the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. What about, uh, sure would be a huge waste of space in contact. And pick that okay did you <laughs> lines i hate and they keep saying them. i hate it the first time and then they say it five more times all right what so uh Go. chris says Marcus. thanks guys and he also wishes uh kelly Wan happy birthday fuck you <laughs> <laughs> uh that's all we have uh i have one runner-up uh uh kelly Wan, do you have any runners-up no i only oh. like three lines but when they're repeated yeah, I, no, I do not. I got some great ones out, and uh, the listeners took up the slack. So. Yep. All right. Yeah. Star Trek too. My ro- one runner-up is brought to you by the Marathon Man, and that was uh, when Gandalf says, "Is it is it secret? Is it safe?" Does he repeat it though? That gets said more than once. Uh, I I just. I think he does. Remember, yeah. I just I just it just recalled the. Um, I just remember when I first I saw think- the movie, thinking of Marathon Man. He goes, keep it secret, safe. keep it safe. And they says the secret. secret. So it's all oh, right, right. And then but Sam, oh, eavesdropping, interprets that as, oh, end of the world. If Gandalf's whispering, okay, what? But he's also not. He's not doing any dental work on Frodo. I seem to recall. No, I don't think so. I think yeah. it's all. He yells cavity. at him earlier. Yeah. It's it's a different cavity. So Conjure cheap tricks. Then he does a cheap trick while he's saying it. Kelly, one. They're called cantrips. So what are we seeing next, Tom? <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, first of all, we're going to do a three-by-three three a month from now. Uh, let me tell you guys about that. Yeah. So we saw The Predator recently, and oh! uh, Kelly Wand is anti-Predator as a creature design. I'm, I am uh, pro-Predator myself. I think The Predator is a cool idea. I like the mandibles. 
Well, so the mandibles are cool, but what Kelly Wan and I agreed is I always thought that it's really hard to show uh, monster fingers, and the Predator is a classic example because you see the actor with the gloves, and when he's trying to push down on his little yeah. wrist computer, the tip of the glove bends right. back, and it, and it looks stupid. So Kelly Wan had the perfect phrase for this when he said he hates the Predator and his dumb fingers. Uh, which is like perfect. The predator does as much as I admire it as an idea. The predator has dumb fingers. Dumb uh-huh. fingers. Because it can be hard to do good monster fingers. So what I want from you guys are your favorite freaky hands or claws in a movie. And one of the reasons I'm doing this is Dingus will not be able to choose Rushmore, Midnight Run, or Hunt for Red October for any of these because there are no freaky hands or claws in any of those movies. But Scotty has a weird – he's missing a finger, so now we get three of those fucking things from Dingus probably. Scotty's missing a finger in Star yeah, Trek? His, his middle oh. finger, ironically. I, I'd like to know the story of how he lost that, like who he was flipping on. The actual actor is missing a middle finger? Yeah, James Doohan. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. I wonder, so he went into the audition with that. And he went, oh, he's Scottish and he's missing a finger? You're in. Right, yeah. That's like a, quite the character trait. I, I had no, All right. And that's not – I'm sure that there's – if I go to the the Star Trek wiki, I could probably look up what the deal is with that Kelly Wand. Yeah, and also Radar on MASH. He had a weird hand. Well, well if, if, if you could – miss the middle finger in Scotland. It's kind of like circumcision. And MASH was originally called hand. It was like H asterisk A asterisk. What did that stand for? Hand. Oh, uh, hardcore um... – <laughs> Aerial, <laughs> yeah. not a cult uh, If you have favorite freaky hands or claws, send your choices to 3x3. Use those to type this. <laughs> no, no, not if they're yours. These are freaky hands or claws in movies. You just we said don't... if you have freaky claws. Freaky hands or claws that are your – I've said if you have yeah. a favorite freaky hand or claw that, you, that you've seen in a movie and you'd oh, like us to read on the air, send those to 3x3 at quarter2three.com uh, and I'll read your picks on the air after we discuss ours. Uh, in the meantime – and that will be – that's gosh, you got a month for that. That will not be due until uh, December – got too much math. You know what? Until next year. You don't even need to get this to that until next year. Whoa. Yeah. So your Christmas 3x3 three three is called Freaky Claws. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> He's the lesser known brother who took a lot of acid. Did a lot did a lot of can trips on Christmas Eve. Can tripped hard. Very good. I have questions about uh, never mind. Uh, and also we're gonna see the movie Widows. So if you see <laughs> that <laughs> if you see that, let us know what you thought of it. Send that to 3x3 at quarter2three.com. Get that to us before December 2nd, midnight uh, Pacific time, and we will read your comments on the air. You know you saw it. What did you think? That was the I, sound of a grieving widow I made, by the way, to psych people up. Oh, uh, Kelly Wan, that was just heart-wrenching. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it sounded like, it sounded like, like an angry cow. Yeah. yeah. Does Teresa Russell count? <laughs> so join us for our Widows podcast next week. And at the end of the month, shortly after the holidays, we'll discuss freaky hands or claws. I am Tom Chick. I'm Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Marinsky. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. The goat's the one getting hazed. One, two, three. Not only you and me got 180 to- Green, I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, Peter Parker, Mary, getting down with three feet. Everybody loves old Kevin.
my to- next topic is going to be uh, phrases spoken less than once during a movie. So get those in by March 30th. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Hey, Dingus, I like when characters say the title of a movie during the movie, like in Star Wars and Star Trek and Star is Born. Can I give you a hug? That usually seems to help. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm a little hard, but all right. Be the honey, first one. Honey, that might be your lady parts. I'm not really qualified. Oh. There's your dog. Gotcha. Ah. How can we you, have a lot of fun. How can you be too sympathetic? Oh, that's from... More and from Sophie's Choice. 